Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, ACB and KABVI. This is Ann Byington, President. I want to thank ACB Radio for hosting this convention for us. This is our 101st convention. I want to particularly thank Rick Morin and Cecily Nipper and our co-hosts Monica and Deb Cook-Lewis. One thing I want to ask all of you to do for me is uh, when we get to the questions sections, don't be shy because I don't want to talk through this whole convention. So uh, first thing I want to do is thank our sponsors as well as our ACB uh, hosts and Streamers, we have received a um, $1,000 donation from Envision, for which we're very grateful. We also want to thank um, the Door Prize contributors, which is Nanopack, uh, Envision America, Kathy Dawson, Nancy Johnson, uh, Byington Advocacy Con. Byington Advocacy and Consulting of Kansas, uh, Wes Brimmer, who's our author. And uh, I would like to, well, I would like to note that um, if you have a uh, Victor Reader stream and it, and it is the one that will let you download radio stations, you can listen to, ACB, to this convention on ACB Media 9. If you're listening on an A device, you can listen on ACB Media 8. Um, I, I see that I need to learn to talk longer um, because we're really not supposed to start the program until 1.15. And uh, so I think that uh, we might want to uh, review a little bit about our convention activities, and I'll talk a little bit about what I've done recently. This is not scripted, so I will be a bit disorganized. Uh, I'm not going to be re-elected president this year. We've purposely planned that, so I can announce that ahead of time. Um, I think I've been president for at least the past six years, and this is the second time I've done this. Uh, we've, we've done a few things this year that are noteworthy, I think. Uh, one is, or in the past several years, actually. In 2019, we hired a videographer to create videos of many of our members who had kind of interesting jobs. Some of them were unique to the blindness uh, system. Some of them weren't. And all of those videos are on our Facebook page. And I don't know that address, but I'm sure somebody in the group does. But um, you can search for Kansas Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Um, many of our members are, are there. <clears throat> their videos about jobs and what they did as professional people in the blindness community. Unfortunately, like many other organizations, we're aging out a bit and since I won't be president this year, one of my goals is to contact previous scholarship winners, of whom there are many, 
and ask them, why aren't you involved in KABVI and wouldn't you love to be involved? And here's some things that we need you to help us with. Um, I am always surprised at the fact that people who have gotten money from us don't just automatically join. They get a year's membership, but they don't seem to renew. And that's probably because they're in school and they're busy and whatnot. But I'm going to get a little bit, um, I won't say pushy, but a little bit nudgy with them so we can get some younger people in this organization uh, so we don't die on the vine, so to speak. Um, the other thing that we did that was really very unique, I think, was that in 2019, we had a uh, meeting at the Brown versus Board of Education National Park, which is here in Topeka. And I say it's a park, but it's really not a park. It's a building. And if uh, you haven't been to it yet, it's definitely worth a trip. There are uh, maps in Braille of the facility and surrounding area. There are videos, described videos, pretty much. And the ex ex exhibition is a, oh, I can't think of the word I want. It's not one that you go from A to B to C to D. You can go in wherever you want to. There are there is a certain organization to it, but it doesn't really matter which order you see that or listen to the displays in. And um, this building is across from or very close to the school where uh, some of the students who were involved in the lawsuit were in attendance. And the man who, we also invited a bunch of our students from around the state and they got to meet the park ranger there and he took them on a tour that was where some of them got to touch some of the artifacts i we didn't because we we just went on the regular tour but he took the students on a tour and um we had a pizza sponsor sponsored lunch and I think it was really fun for everybody, not just the students, but for our membership who went. Um, another kind of sidelight note that we should tell you about is that the one of our presidents who was the first black man who went to uh, Emporia State University and got a degree, and he also happened to be blind in the mid-1900s, late 1900s, I guess, was Sam Wilson. And um, Sam was involved in this in the uh, NAACP in the 50s in Topeka here. He lived in Topeka and he uh, wasn't an attorney, but he had a really good presence. He could fool people a little bit. In fact, our, our secretary of SRS thought he was an attorney for the time that they knew each other. And Sam kind of laughed when Michael asked him about that. He says, well, he just thought I was an attorney and I didn't tell him otherwise. So, <laughs> so um, Sam said, told us that, and I don't think this is anywhere recorded in the historical stuff that, that Brown versus board has. We tried to get them to include it, but he said that the meetings often happened at his house with the attorneys from 
uh, Washington, D.C., and the NAACP people. And, and so we said, well, why was that? And he said, well, I think it was because we had the biggest dining room table. And uh, he, he was a mentor to most of us in KABVI and was, I think he was one of the signers, but I'm not absolutely sure. I think he was, though. Michael can correct me if he wants to, because this is partly his story, too. And we heard that story. I'm going to finish with this soon. We heard that story at the Kansas State School for the Blind graduation. We met them at the graduation ceremony many years ago, and we took Sam and his wife to the Savoy Hotel for lunch afterward. And that's when he told us about his big dining room table and <clears throat> the part that he played in Grand versus Board of Education. And I would encourage you, any of you who are listening, if you ever get to Topeka and you haven't been to Brown versus Board, you really ought to take some time to tour the site because it's well worth the effort. Even if you're not into civil rights stuff and you don't really, oh, you know, have a burning desire to see that, that uh, part of our history, it's worth, it's worth investigating. There are some really um, interesting displays. Most of them are video and they're fairly well described. There are a lot of tactile signage. There's lots of tactile signage in the building. And there is a braille, braille and large print handout that you can get that you can take with you that's got a lot more information in it. So I don't have anything else to say. So I'm going to move on. And, the, yes. and this is Michael. And uh, when you're speaking impromptu, as you were, it's real easy sometimes to accidentally misstate a couple of things. But I just wanted to offer a couple of slight corrections. Uh, first of all, uh, the Brown versus Topeka Board of Education historical site is not across the street from anything uh, historically significant, except they have painted a mural, which goes with the site on the side of a building across the street. But the uh, historical site actually is the building that Linda Brown, uh, the uh, lead plaintiff in Brown versus Topeka Board of Education, did not want to continue going to. It was a segregated all-black school. And when the site was developed, there was quite a controversy as to whether the historical site should be centered around the building where the African-American uh, students were uh, segregated uh, and did not want to go, or whether it should be around the Sumner Elementary School that Linda Brown did want to attend. That building is now abandoned, and there's a lot of controversy as to what will happen with it. But if you visit the site, you are actually visiting uh, the place that was right in the midst of the controversy. And uh, much of the uh, building is set up like some of the classrooms that were uh, in use back in 1954 when all of this was taking place. The other thing that I would point out is you talked about the video project that we did. Uh, I think those are available through our Facebook page. Our webmaster, Paul Bershite, 
uh, will be elevated to panel at some point and can uh, give us the detail on that, I'm sure. But uh, the web, the uh, videos are also definitely available on our website that Paul manages, and that's different than our Facebook page. But anyone who has not visited the KABVI website uh, and who has a computer or cell phone access to do so really should visit that site, and that is at www.kabvi.com. Thank you. The first presenter that we have today is Charlotte Glass from Envision America. And I'm, I don't know anything about Charlotte, except she's the public policy and community outreach at, uh, liaison for Envision America. So I'm going to turn the program over to her and welcome Charlotte. I'm a Script Talk user and I know about that product, but I know you have lots to tell us and the floor is yours. Very much. Yeah. Let's see. In about a week, I'll be celebrating my 17th anniversary with Envision America. So I've been with them for a very long time. I'm the longest uh, non-family employee. So uh, I've been with them since, you know, early days. And I've, I've fulfilled a lot of roles. And I started out just testing script talks and ID mates and packaging them up for you. And then I started working on the database and doing customer service calls and just done a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, we started wanting to encourage, you know, more advocacy. And then uh, Rick Kumi started working on legislation in Nevada. And we're like, you know, somebody really needs to be in charge of this and, and there to help people out. So that's, pretty much my primary role now, although I still do manage the IDMate database as well. Um, so I'm going to just do a brief overview of what scriptability is, and then, um, you know, touch on a bunch of different aspects of what's going on today, and then um, be open for questions after that. So uh, so scriptability is the name of our software that pharmacies can purchase to provide accessible prescription labels. Uh, we have multiple prescription labeling solutions through that software. Uh, they can provide audible labels, which is script talk. That's what most of you are familiar with. We also have um, Braille uh, label tape available. And then we have script view, which uh, pharmacies can use to provide large print uh, dual language or uh, controlled substance safety labels. So um, it also has a QR code on it. So, you know, if you want to use a QR code to get access or information, you can use that too. So pharmacies can choose which of those they want to offer. We have some pharmacies that only offer script view. We have some that only offer script talk. We have some that only offer braille. We have some that offer two of the three. So it's really up to them what they want to provide. Um, you know, some offer script view, but they don't do translation. So, you know, they get to pick and choose, but we're trying to obviously to encourage people to provide all the solutions <laughs> if they can, because that's going to provide the most accessibility for people. So just to give you a kind of a, a glimpse of what um, some of these solutions look like, um, for those who do have video, um, 
I'm going to show the large print labels first. Um, so this is a large print label. Um, this is the script view and it's actually a little booklet. And the pharmacy can print as many pages as they want and um, it gets affixed to the bottle. It won't come off. It's very sturdy. Um, it has the QR code on the back if you want to use the script view app. Um, this particular one is also a dual language. So it's in English and Spanish. Um, and this particular bottle also has a script talk label that's programmed in Spanish. Um, we also have the controlled substance safety labels, which uses the same kind of label, but it has a lot of this bold printing and a special QR code to a video that talks about the dangers of your particular Schedule II drug. Um, so that's just another label option that pharmacies can use if they're, you know, prescribing an opioid or something like that. And then the audible labels, I'll turn my script talk on here. Um, so this is the script talk device. Script talk station ready. Um, let me. Let me turn my screens here so you can see this better. Um, so this is the new Script Talk 2 station. Um, it's very similar to the Script Talk 1. It's just a slightly different shape. It's more round. Um, and its power, its power cord is a USB mini B, or you can use four batteries. Uh, pretty much the same. There's just the power wheels on the side instead. Um, the main difference in this is that we can program it with up to 24 different languages. So uh, that's, you know, goes along with our translation service. Um, a pharmacy can tell us what language it needs to be programmed in for their patient. And we'll mail it out to them pre-programmed in that language. So I'm just going to play a, to do this. You just press the button. It'll start beeping, telling you that it's looking for an RFID tag. Put your medication up to it. John J. Smith, medication, Percocet 5-325MG tablet, instructions, take one tablet every four hours for pain, quantity 28, prescription date, September 25th, 2018, use by September 25th, 2019, okay, refills so remaining, zero. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pause it there. Um, it will just keep playing all the fields. If you want to skip over some, you can just hit the next button to reorder this and it'll fast forward to the section you want. Period. Warning. Period. May cause drowsiness and dizziness. Alcohol and marijuana may intensify this effect. Use care when operating a vehicle. Best warning. Period. Contains acetaminophen. Don't use with other drugs that contain acetaminophen warning period Not if sure. you are pregnant or of childbearing age discuss the risks benefits of this medication with your doctor so and now i'm going to um so that's the station our script talk labels can also be read using the script talk mobile app um so i'm going to open that up I don't have voiceover on on my phone. I have never mastered that. So uh, I just know that if you did have voiceover on, it would read you aloud the buttons that are on the screen. 
Um, I'm going to do a full scan. You have two options, a full scan or um, let me see if I can get this for those who are have their screen on. Um, you can have a full scan or a quick scan. So the full scan will read everything on the label. The quick scan just gives you the name of the, the, the name of the drug. So, you know, if you're just trying to find the med, you know how to take it. Um, you know, and you have five bottles sitting there, you can do quick scan and you don't have to listen to all the info. But I'm going to do a full scan. And the nice thing about the app is that um, iPhone has the ability uh, for coders to code in at the beginning of something, what language it's in. So our script talk labels can be coded, you know, what language it is and script talk or the iPhone will just start speaking that language. So that's kind of a really cool feature. We don't have to, you know, you don't have to pick a language or program it or anything. So this particular one I'm going to scan first is the Spanish language one. Nombre del paciente, Francisco Miranda. Medicamento, Balsartan 80 Expansión OFMG Tablet. Instrucciones, tomar una tableta por la boca cada mañana antes del desayuno. Cantidad, 30. Fecha de despacho, diciembre 27, 2021. Fecha de vencimiento, diciembre... So now I'm going to scan another one that's in English again, the same one that we scanned before, but in English. Patient name, John J. Smith. Medication, Percocet 5325MG tablet. Instructions, take one tablet every four hours for pain. Quantity, 28. Fill date, September 25th, 2018. Expiration date, September 25th, 2019. Refills remaining, zero. Prescriber, Dr. Ben Casey. Scriptability Pharmacy. Pharmacy phone 800-890-1180. Prescription number, 1234567. Warning, caution, opioid, risk of overdose and addiction. Warning, may cause drowsiness and dizziness. Alcohol and marijuana may intensify this effect. Use care when operating a vehicle. Okay, and I'm, I'm just going to pause that there. Um... So the night, one of the nice things about the app is that when it reads the pharmacy phone number, it becomes selectable and, you know, you can just use it to call your pharmacy directly. And then you have right there also your refill number. So beautiful system set up for doing your refills. Um, and then another difference here is that um, on the script talk device, if you want more extended data information, you have to enter in the phone number that's at the end and the code. Um, and you have to call in to get that data because the RFID tags are too big to hold all the extended data information. But if you're on the app, um, you can go into that and the- name, John J. Smith. Oh, just hold on. Medication. You can- uh, what it does is instead of giving you the phone number, it gives you a link to the web page. And then your iPhone or Android phone will just read you the web page with all the extended data information. So, you know, and that's usually a huge amount of data. But, you know, if you really want to know all the side effects and, you know, all the counterindications and stuff like that, it's a beautiful way to access all that information. Another feature of the um, app 
is the My Meds feature, which is just after the scanning options. Um, every time you scan something in full scan mode, it saves all of the data. And so then you have a list of all the medications you've scanned. Um, and this list, if you hit edit, you can choose export and it will put it into an email document and you can either you know, email that to your doctor, or you can copy and paste the text and put it wherever you want it. So you could like, you know, import it into my chart or, you know, give it to your pharmacist or, you know, whatever you need, print it, um, whatever you need to do um, so that you have that list of all your meds, which is always so critical when you're trying to prevent, um, you know, overtaking medications or, you know, two doctors prescribing you something that really treats the same thing. Um, so that's so important. Uh, another feature is find pharmacies. So say you're on vacation or you're talking to a friend and you're like, well, just look and see if there's a pharmacy in your area that provides script talk. Uh, you can use my pharmacy. You can put in, well, you can choose, you can choose to use your location. So you know, just wherever you're at, your iPhone knows where you're at, you can choose that, or you can enter in a postal code. And then it will tell you all the pharmacies that are in your area. And you can usually choose, um, you know, five miles, 10 miles, 50 miles, 100 miles, whatever, a radius. So that's very helpful. And then of course, it has the onboard help with all the instructions on how to use the app, um, which is very handy as well. Um, so the script talk, like I mentioned before, and this is actually a new feature. Just, just last year at this time, we upgraded everything so that we can have, um, audible prescription labels in 24 different languages. The pharmacist does not need to know how to speak your language. <laughs> so that's the amazing part of this translation service that they can subscribe to, um, and they can create an audible label in another language, or they can create, if they have the script view printer, um, printed labels in another language. Um, and, and in a couple of states, Washington, or excuse me, Oregon and Nevada, that's now law. And California and New York have a law for translated labels, although it's like a limited. Um, there's like a lot of stipulations in it. Um, so really great. And I think there's a couple other states like Washington, um, they have a, a bill that's been introduced and we're just kind of talking about it, working on it, seeing how that goes, um, it, you know, if it passes or not. But I think a lot more places are realizing um, that the audible labels can go, you know, can be helpful for, um, well, and the large print ones. Um, you know, helpful for multiple purposes, not just blind and visually impaired accessibility, but, you know, limited English proficiency or people who don't read print, either they're illiterate or dyslexic or have vestibular issues or, you know, anything. I, maybe if you had a stroke or something and you, you can see, but you really can't read the print. Um, a lot of things like that. So it's really opening the door for a lot more people to have access to their prescription label information. Um, 
So that's the basics of the way that script talk works um, and script view and uh, scriptability at overall. Um, so right now we're working with a lot of different pharmacies. Um, we're happy to work with any pharmacy that wants to participate. Um, uh, most of you probably know we're working with Walmart, OptumRx, Express Scripts, um, Rite Aid, uh, Caremark, so many, so many. Um, the ones that we are not working with, because that's usually easier to say, we're not working with Kroger right now. Um, we have worked with them to get the Fred Myers in Oregon up and running because it's, they decided to take us as their solution um, because of that Oregon law, but they haven't expanded that um, to other states. I think there's maybe two or three pharmacies, Kroger's throughout the nation where a patient like really pushed for it. And so it got installed, but it hasn't, there hasn't been like a nationwide rollout or anything. Um, we do work with Albertsons, but that's like, you really have to, you have to really advocate for it at your store. Um, we do not work with Walgreens. They're still providing the talking pill reminder. Um, we sort of work with CVS. <laughs> so we're the solution provider for CVS home delivery. But if you go to CVS in store, you need to ask for spoken RX. Um, they will encourage you to use the Spoken RX app. But if you manage to get them to provide you with a Spoken RX reader, it will read Spoken RX and Script Talk labels. So, so you could get, you know, like some prescriptions at CVS and use Spoken RX labels, and then you could still get some prescriptions from Express Scripts or OptumRx and use the same device to read your script talk labels. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, so yes, we're kind of working with them and we're encouraging anyone who had, has been waiting for CVS to provide script talk to, to get spoken RX, ask for a spoken RX reader, and then you can use that same device to read all your labels, all your talking labels. Um, Let's see what else you need to know. Um, yeah, when we get to the end, I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, if anybody ever wants help advocating for their pharmacy to get set up with Script Talk, um, I would just recommend calling us and, and working with our customer service team. They are very experienced in that. Um, our sales team is very happy to give pharmacies quotes on what it costs to do this. Um, a lot of people are really worried that it costs their pharmacy a lot of money. <laughs> um, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and I was listening in on that, uh, the Washington health and wellness, how the house, Washington house um, health and wellness committee um, testimonies and, you know, somebody was like, well, you know, the cost of this is less than the cost of an emergency room visit. And I was like, you know, that's a really good point. I mean, if you had to pay out of pocket for an emergency room visit, it can be like between $1,500 and $2,000 just for one emergency room visit. And, you know, this definitely costs pharmacies um, 
you know, between a thousand and fifteen hundred, if they're an independent pharmacy to get set up, you know, if they want to provide both script talk and script view, then it might be more towards two thousand to get all the all the things you need to get started. But that should really last you a couple of years. So, um, but I think you know, looking at it in comparison to you know a pharmacy having a service for a year for multiple patients versus the cost of one single emergency room visit for mismanaging meds. I, I think that's, you know, probably the language that we best need to talk about. And it's not going to put any pharmacy out of business <laughs> at all, <laughs> not even close. Um, so, you know, you don't really have to worry about that. I'm sure there's many pharmacists that would still be like bulk at the cost, but everybody's going to bulk at paying $2,000 for their emergency room visit as well so you know um i even had one person one time they were like you know my pharmacist does not want to do this but if we don't get accessible labels then my mother has to instead of going into the independent living apartments she has to go into the assisted living apartments and it's six hundred dollars more per month to be in assisted living and the pharmacy didn't want to pay the thousand dollars to get set up. And the guy's like, I mean, I'll, I'll pay, I shouldn't have to, but I'll pay for it if that's what it takes, because it's still going to save my family, you know, so many thousands of dollars every year um, because of the cost differential. So, I mean, we have to really look at it in comparison. And I, I also, when we're talking to, legislators and like what kind of society are we trying to encourage and build up i mean we've had the ada for 30 years now and pharmacies have had 30 years to voluntarily provide accommodations granted the technology really isn't that old but um you know they've had 30 years to implement it so if they haven't done it by now they kind of have to be forced to do it and so that's why a lot of states are working on legislation um, I think right now we have six, six states that I know of. They're either an ACB or an NFB affiliate is working on finding sponsors for legislation. Um, the states that actually have legislation already introduced are Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Puerto Rico. Um, and then I know we have advocates in New York and Tennessee, Michigan, Washington, and Florida, and Colorado. So uh, there's a lot of work being done out there, and the conversation is, is coming to the fore. And I'm just encouraging everyone, like, if your legislative team has thought about doing this, now is the time, because there's a lot of resources out there, and there's a lot of bills and talk about bills. And so... It's like the snowball is really rolling. And I think the more states that we, the more states that, you know, even if, even just introducing the legislation, even if it doesn't get all the way to passage, what it does is it forces all the stakeholders to come to the table and start having that conversation. So it forces the, the state pharmacy association to enter the conversation, um, the board of pharmacy that makes all the rules for the state pharmacies, um, you know, legislators, um, all the stakeholders like NFB, ACB, disability rights, um, you know, 
to all enter into that conversation. And sometimes we're seeing the board of pharmacy would be like, well, we don't really need legislation to tell us that we need to, to make rules. We can make rules all on our own. And then, you know, we're seeing them, okay, well, we'll start to have this conversation. So that happened in Washington, even before the bill, but the bill's really like pushing them now. So um, that's, you know, that's another thing that can happen is we can start to ask those boards of pharmacy to look at the rules that are out there um, and they can tweak them even without legislation, but it might require legislation still in some places. Um, so I would be happy to answer any questions about legislation. Um, you know, if you want to go into more detail about script talk, about what pharmacies are providing it, um, anything like that. Um, so I know we still have quite a few minutes left, but I'm hoping that your questions or comments might, um, you know, fill up that time because I know I went through everything really quickly, so. Okay, we do have some. Am I unmuted? Yes, you are. Okay, this is Ann. A uh, couple talking points for you, Sharla, uh, if to reluctant pharmacists. One is that the baby boomer generation is increasing as we sit here and low vision issues are becoming more and more uh, an, a problem for baby boomers. Yeah. And if they use, if they do script talk in their stores, once you get me in the store, I'm not just going to pick up medicine. I'm going to shop for other things too. That's right. And uh, I will say that our, our neighborhood Walmart is excellent for, in terms of script talk. Some of the other ones around the city aren't quite as good. Um, one of the complaints that I have heard from the Walmart people is that their computers, I guess they put this uh, software on computers that nobody else wants to use or something. And it isn't, they're not always really compatible with it. And to them, I say, well, then you need to talk to your corporate folks and get that straightened out. That's really not my problem, but I do want the service. Yeah, they might just need to update their software. Could be, I don't know, but yeah. um, we've had we've had really good uh, cooperation. I don't use the phone app, but sounds like something that would be very helpful to people that are good with their iPhones. Yeah, yeah, and people still have a choice. You can just use the app, or you can just use the device, or you know, if you're you want to have the device, but you want to play around with the app, you know, until you're confident, then, you know, we're happy with that too. Do we uh, send our script talk station back to you to get an upgraded one? Um, you know, there's really no need for that unless you're speaking another language. Otherwise they function exactly the same. I see. Okay. I'm one of the ones that have had issues with the Walmart where I live. Okay. And the problem I have is they won't put the script talk talk label on until I get to the until I get until I get to the pharmacy, and they'll say, "Well, it you'll have to wait about fifteen minutes." Well, you know I don't always have time to wait. However, the last 
couple of months, uh, things have been better because I went to the manager of the pharmacy and I told her, I said, either you get this mess straightened out or I'm going to change to a different different Walmart. And I hope it got resolved, but I used both the phone app and the machine, and I like both of them. Good. Good. Yeah, I hope we get the whole Walmart thing worked out. I, I know, like, every Walmart has their own system of doing things, and we definitely encourage them, like, you should be doing the label the time you fill. Um, I mean, it's just the safest, more, most, um, you know, logical way to do it. So, yeah. I think in some places they haven't trained all their staff, and so there's a delay there. Um, But that that just means they need to train more people, so. Okay, you have a, a lady named Julie. Has her hand raised? Yes. Hi, Julie. Hi, it's nice to have you speaking to us, Sarla. Um, I'm wondering, you talked about ways that you present the product and stuff, but I wonder if you've tried advertising it in like pharmaceutical journals or I mean journals that pharmacists might read um, and maybe even advertising it on the radio and TV. Um, those are great ideas and we've looked at that however here's here's this thing they're so expensive it is so so expensive and so we just really haven't had the budget to do that I mean because we're still we're we're still a small independently owned you know family business you know, like spending $25,000 to publish in a major journal, you know, because anything bigger than like a quarter size, you know, is yeah. so expensive. It's well, I had thought thing. that, you know, the, this, the article that you, or the thing that you said about the woman who had to be, who either had a choice of either having script talk or something like it, or having to go to assisted living, which is more expensive. You know, if you ha- could publish an article and it had that illustration in it, that would get home with lots of people. Yeah. And- I mean, we have like what we have tried to do is get articles written instead of actually paying for advertising. So, yeah, we have done that. And there have been quite a few journals um, that have published that. And I know there's two, two, two um, research articles that are coming out this spring that are going to be talking about it. One is going to be in um, pharmacy informatics and one is, I don't know what the journal, the other one is going to be, but some, a bunch of students did a script talk uh, research project. Um, and actually the other one, the informatics one, she was using, she, she wasn't using script talk, she used um, Optiphonic, the excess med solution, but she was actually, wasn't even working with necessarily blind people. She didn't ask anybody what their vision was like in her study. She simply was having people with high blood pressure use an audible label. So the excessive med um, label Mm -hmm. um, to hear their information. And then she compared their um, success rates in, in medication adherence and management, 
you know, those who had an audible label and those who didn't. And it showed that even though like, we don't know how many could see and how many couldn't see it. She didn't, like I said, she didn't measure that, but just the people who had the audible label managed their blood pressure better than the people who didn't. Um, That's but, wonderful. Yeah. Like just a lot of times people learn better by hearing. And so, um, or, you know, if they have low literacy rates or whatever, you know, so um, it's, uh, that was an interesting study. Uh, I think it plain, just plain be marketed. I mean, for it is a good low vision product and, and blindness product, but I think it's, I think it's marketable for seniors in general. Yeah. Yeah. Because here's the thing. A lot of seniors do not count themselves as low vision. Right. Even though they have lost some of their vision. So, you know, my dad was just like, you know, I was like, dad, I know you can't see that good, <laughs> but he doesn't count that. And then he actually needs to get a hearing aid. He's like, I'm not going to spend the money on that. I'm like, so you're going to be partially blind and partially deaf. And you think that's okay. You know, nobody's going to be able to communicate with you because you're always going to be like only half hearing and half seeing what's going on. You know, so, you know, sometimes we have to like, just um, remind people that it's okay to have things that assist them. Well, I just wrote myself a note to write a letter to the editors of AARP, which would be a great place for this information to go. They actually just published an article last month. Well, good. Very beautiful article, although it wasn't front page. <laughs> That's, yeah, well. But um, I could try and... Well, um, I'll find it. I can get that yeah, their magazine was, online, so... It was... Um, yeah, I've done, I don't remember what the title was, but I um, we were very happy to see that because they haven't really done anything about it, um, and so it was we were kind of excited to see to see that <laughs> published last month. I see Michael has his hand raised. You do have other products, don't you, besides Script Talk? Um. Not anymore. Oh. Oh. Um, we retired the ID mates uh, last spring. So we're still providing the database updates. So I'll still be working on database updates, but um, we do not have any more devices to sell. So that was a very, very difficult decision for us because ID mate was our baby. Like that was our first product and um, yeah, it's so, so hard. And I know like a lot of people are really sad. They're like, what am I going to do when my ID mate dies? Um, no ID mates are allowed to die. <laughs> um, but yeah, because we needed to, so many parts went obsolete. And so it was at the point where we'd have to totally redesign which is a very expensive process. Um, and really our sales have declined so much um, due to the iPhone apps available. So they're apples and oranges, but when people compare, they'd rather have oranges for 99 cents than amazing apples for 12.99. So um, yeah, that's sad. and. There's no, at this point in time, 
I mean, I'm not part of our research and development team, but at this point in time, we're focusing all our energy on Script Talk, as far as I know. So, so how many uh, pharmacies? Do you know how many pharmacies are using Braille? I do not. Not enough. <laughs> that would be interesting to know because yeah, well, I can I can actually pull that up here. Oh, go ahead, Michael. Yes, actually, I have a couple which I'll try to be very quick with. The first one is let's suppose that uh, you have prescriptions from two different pharmacies. Uh, uh, my doctor, for example, found that I, even with my insurance, can get uh, uh, most of my prescriptions cheaper at one source, but there's one that I save a lot of money by going to another pharmacy. Now, if both of those pharmacies are uh, Script Talk uh, compatible and, and Script Talk uh, users, uh, can you get prescriptions from two different pharmacies and read them with the same script talk? Yes, you can. Okay. That answers that one quickly. And, and if you got prescriptions from CVS and you got spoken RX and you asked for a spoken RX device, you could read all your CVS and all your script talk labels from multiple store with your spoken RX device. Well, unfortunately, in, in my situation, the two pharmacies that uh, I'm using currently because they're the cheapest with my insurance are Walgreens and uh, uh, Kroger, neither of which uh, have uh, script talk. However, I was a Walmart user for many years and I love script talk and I miss it. And I will certainly opine that the, Wal that the Walgreens system, which I'm really not even bothering to use anymore, is not nearly as good as script talk. So yeah, uh, we'll make that point. My other question, however, is, uh, and this happened several years ago uh, when I was working in Wichita. So you may have corrected the problem, but that's really the question. I was demonstrating script talk and how it worked for a large group of seniors in a large senior support group. And I was in an auditorium at a rostrum and they had a computer sitting there that was running all of the different AV things that that uh, meeting room used and so on. And I had the computers or the script talk sitting right beside me. And when I tried to demonstrate it, it absolutely wouldn't work. It would just shut back down. And I tried several times and I was beginning to panic. And then all of a sudden I decided to move the script talk a few feet away from that computer that it had been very near to that was uh, running the world of their AV and so on. And script talk worked beautifully and the script and it, it went very well. Now my question is obviously there's a shielding problem if you're using the script talk too close to other electronic or uh, internet uh, accessible devices. Have you done anything to improve the shielding uh, so people don't have to worry about that who might live in small spaces where they just can't separate their electronics all that yeah. far? I, now I'm just guessing because I obviously I was not there, but I'm guessing the problem wasn't that it was near a computer. I'm guessing your table was a metal table. Ah, so if you are, if it is near a large piece of metal, the RFID will have, there will be interference. So um, yeah, we've had to tell, you know, pharmacies like you're going to have to put this up on, you know, if you have a metal counter that you're working on, 
you know, you need to put your script talk reader like on top of the box or, you know, on top of something else, a few, you know, maybe five inches away or something from the met, the large metal because it, it will interfere with the radio frequency. I think it was sitting on top of a large medical, uh, uh, medical a large metal computer, uh, one of the tower types, not a laptop. Oh, yeah. Really. So, yeah. So, and uh, there's... So it was the metal in the computer and not the uh, Wi-Fi that was uh, messing it up, probably. Right, right. Uh, and there we actually have like a little hang tag that we designed that hangs off of a bottle. Because some medications have like the tinfoil wrappers, or if like you say your medication is iron, <laughs> it just <laughs> the label needs to be held a little bit away. So we have some little hang tags that oh, hang out. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's just the nature of RFID. It's it's not. I don't think there's anything shielding wise that we can really do. Um, because it's radio frequency, like you, the radio waves have to be able to communicate. I mean, well, and, and metal will interfere. Yeah, it's a wonderful product, and uh, I was a very happy user for many years. And I wish Walgreens would switch, or I wish my insurance would allow me to go back to Walmart. So yeah. thank you very much. Well, I just want you to know that we have not given up on Kroger and Walgreens, so <laughs> we will continue to pursue them and try and convince them there's a better way. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you so uh, much. You're welcome. Any other questions or comments? I don't see any questions right now. No questions? Remember guys, I told you not to be shy. <laughs> I should say this, that um, if you do go to a pharmacy that's not participating, I still encourage you to call and get your name on our list and tell us what your preferred pharmacy is, because we do use that information for when we are talking to pharmacies. You know, if they decide, like, for example, if Kroger decided they wanted to do a pilot program, then we would call up all in our system, like all the pharmacies that, or all the customers that say they, their chosen preferred pharmacy is Kroger. And then, you know, do a map of it and see what locations would be good locations for a, a pilot program or suggesting, you know, like in rollout, let's roll it out in places where we know there's people who need it. So um, always encouraging that. Um, I would, I would guess that the reason we have so much Walmart participation in Topeka here is that we've got a very large blindness population, and most, many of us are the advocacy part of AC, a, ACB and KABVI locally. So uh, yeah. they're sort of they're sort of doomed because we are going to talk to them and uh, <laughs> get it worked out. Yeah. Um, any, any, we'll give you one more chance to ask a question. Yeah, I wanted to answer the question about Braille. Okay. Um, so it brings up 4,125 locations where it's available. Now, a lot of those are Winn-Dixie or Rite-Aid that don't do it in store, but you get it through their, um, you know, you have to wait three days and then they'll deliver it to your local store. Um so I'm going to just estimate that there's maybe 50 stores that are not in those two chains um, that provide Braille. So not a lot. Would there be mailing 
uh, prescriptions to people or just that you'd have to wait to get it? Uh, yeah, so with Rite Aid, um, their mail order pharmacy has the equipment, but they'll create the labels and FedEx them to your local store and your local store will put them on your medication oh, before okay. they give them to you. Wow, that's cool. Um, and the same thing with Winn-Dixie. Although I think Winn-Dixie, um, it's more like there's a one store in every, you know, region or something that has the equipment. So then they do it like per district or region or whatever. Okay. Um, and sometimes some of our other small chains will do something similar, you know, just as a cost-effective measure the, like Albertson sometimes will be like, well, we already have a store that's like 25 miles from you. So we'll just mail them to you from that store or use their delivery service and deliver them to you. Right. So, which is, you know, the one thing, nice thing about COVID is that so many more pharmacies are offering delivery now right. than ever did before. Um, every place is offering delivery now. Well, they don't know how handy that is for, blind and low vision people who don't drive and would have to make a special trip to the pharmacy or, you know, use public transportation or whatever. Mm -hmm. So right. thank you very much. And yeah, thank you for having me. Before we let you go, um, Mr. Chaffin, we have a door prize from Envision America that we'd like to share with somebody. Okay. Is Michael going to do the... Yeah, I'll, I'll have Je uh, Alexa generate a uh, number, and I think you've got the list there to tell us who that number is. Okay, Wanda42. We had a couple came in late. All right, Wanda42. Alexa, a random number between 1 and 42. Here's a number between 1 and 42. It's 14. Number 14. Sharna Dole. All right, good for her. All right. Oh, well, let's see. I've got the list here to see what she what she won. Oh, is this it? Yep. Uh, two o'clock in uh, let's see, Envision America package, twenty dollar gift card, a t shirt, and more. Well, we don't know what the more is, but I'm sure she'll like it. Yeah, goes. Jenna put the basket together, so I don't even know what it is. Probably just like some of our swag. <laughs> well, would you like us to, um, how do we, let's see, I guess we can email her and then your contact information and she can get a hold of you then. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. can, we can email Sharna's, uh, mailing address to, uh, sure. Envision America too, and get to her that way. We'll get that worked out. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks for having me, you guys. Have a great rest of your convention. Thank you very, very much. We appreciate it. Um, okay, next is... Two. Oh, come on. Who's next, Michael? Stuck. I have hands three health down. And yeah, but I'm here. Janice Wasilewski, right? Oh, wow, that's amazing. You said it right. Everybody always well, says Wasilewski. My computer once in a while does things correctly. I would uh, say to our membership that I found out about Janice on the ACB listserv, the leadership list, 
And I thought, gee, I don't know anything about this company. Maybe we should invite her. So we did, and she's here to tell us about hands-free health. Janice. All right, great. Well, thank you, Anne. Um, yes, it's always nice to talk to um, different groups and to be found that way, because I had spoken to uh, the uh, Ohio um, Federation, well, I don't know, back like three or four months ago, Suzanne had invited me there, and I'm, uh, I'm going to speak again next week. She's having a, a meeting. But um, just to give you a little bit of background about Hands-Free Health, our company, the our founders, as well as myself, all have you know, a lot of healthcare background. Um, our president and our CEO uh, were former presidents and CFOs of Aetna Health Plans. Um, I worked at Aetna for over 30 years. Uh, I started to get closer to the humor. My health advocate was really like a concierge service for, um, for people to get everything from getting a claim paid to finding out where the best doctor is for a specific illness. Um, so what happened, they, you know, they, um, that company really did well. Um, they grew to about 40 million members and then they sold the company off. And basically um, our president and CEO were really in retirement mode. And then Mike, um, became very interested in voice technology. And he kind of brought some of the old team members together and said, you know, I really think it's important, you know, voice is really um, taking off. It's actually at a faster pace than what cell phone adoption was years ago. Um, and he said, I really feel like we should build, a, you know, our own platform to help people manage their health. Um, so that's really, you know, how the company started about four years ago. And Mike, I was still at Aetna at the time um, in, you know, managing a sales force in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. And he tapped me on the shoulder and asked him, asked me if I would want to come work with them and you know, run their commercial um, division. So that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years. We launched our product um, last, not this past fall, but the fall before. And we started, and I'll tell you all about our product in a minute, but we started, um, you know, we're, it, with a lot of the e-commerce sites selling on Amazon and eBay and, and um, you know, e sites as that, such as that. And then now we're really going out and talking to employers and customers. Um, but basically our product, you know, it is all of our products will be voice enabled. We started with a speaker and our speaker, it's very similar to like, I just heard you talking to Amazon, uh, to Alexa. Um, or Google or whatever, but um, the difference is with with the hands free health. What we call her Wellbe. Wellbe is um, it's she's HIPAA compliant because people can put their health information, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. So we want to make sure that they can only people they can only retrieve that information. The top of our speaker is Braille, um, so that you can you know um, turn the it up and down the volume. If you like, that's in um, in the Braille format. So that was our first product was the speaker, and then we went to our um, a smartwatch. It's an emergency alert smartwatch, and basically what we did is we you know it's not just like I've fallen and I need help type of thing. It also has a lot of the, the same capabilities that the speaker has. You can ask the watch questions about your medications. You could ask it questions, you know, health-based questions. You can get your reminder, your medication um, on the, the watch as well. And then what we're launching in the next month, we'll have available uh, at the end of February is a pendant, 
Um, and this is, you know, an emergency feature. It's very small. Um, so it's not like, you know, some of the pendants that are really big and people, you know, don't necessarily always like that stigma of it. Um, but, it, you know, we'll call for help. It is um, two-way as well. So you can speak in it. Um, and, um, and it does have GPS location. So it will go to our call center, which is affiliated. They would check to see if it was emergency, if you needed to call an ambulance, and then they will call the ambulance. Um, so really those are, you know, three products we have, we, you know, they, um, and, uh, we do also have a mobile app for health plans as, and, uh, employers. It's kind of a little bit more mobile for people on the go. So that gives you a little bit of idea and uh, about the, um, the products and I'll go into their features. I don't know if anybody has any questions so far. Okay. So basically the, um, the important thing to note is that, like I said before, it is a proprietary platform, and which means that we are controlling the content, which is different than some, um, you know, other virtual systems that you may hear about and you may um, have, you know, heard in the news about, you know, some privacy breaches and things like that because, um, you know, people listening in the house hold to like sell you other items and things of that nature. Um, just so that everybody's aware, there isn't any of that. There's a complete privacy. The only way that the um, the device will wake up is if it hears our wake up words saying, okay, well be. And then it will listen to what you your question is and then um, you know release that answer. Um, the products can all be worked, they can all work together. It can be integrated together or they can all work separately. Somebody could just buy a speaker for their home um, or in some, for when they're in their home and they may want to have a watcher pendant when they're on the go and outside of the home, um, they could, you know, either, either way, as I said, be earlier that it's, um, HIPAA compliant. One of the things that when we get the speaker, the speaker is also, it's voice trained. So it will recognize your voice. So it asks you to say a few things. It could be either, um, you know, we do have our target audience is very much senior. So what we do um, understand is that it can be remotely set up by somebody else. Um, you can get the device sent to the person's home and like a child, um, you know, of the mom or dad can actually even set it up and be like states away from them. Um, but it um, it does have, you know, we'll ask you a couple to say a couple sentences so that it would recognize your voice. So that way, if you're asking about your medications or things of that nature, it would only release that information um, if it recognized it was you. Um, if one day, like you, you happen to have a cold or your voice sound a little bit different, basically what would they would ask you for a four-digit code that was used to set up the device just so that it wouldn't release any PHI information um, to somebody that may be in your house. Um, and anything that's not like that's, you know, if you're asking about the weather or whatever, they'll release that, you know, it will well be will release that information to anybody. It's just really more your own personal health information that is proprietary. Uh, one of the things that we're definitely very um, happy about is we are part of the Microsoft startup program. So what that basically means is they're really helping us to build out our um, capabilities for remote patient monitoring and um, really helping us to escalate that. So to give you, um, you know, why people say why voice technology, I mean, as I said, the adoption rate is by far, it's, you know, it's, it definitely has taken off, um, you know, over 50% of the households are using it and using it more than, you know, once a day. 
Um, and part of it is it's just easy. It's easy to use regardless of your age. And you see, you know, I go over to my um, niece's house, her you know, children who are like six and eight are talking to it, or you could be, you know, in your nineties or whatever, and, and be um, utilizing. My mom is 94 and she, you know, before she passed away, she loved to be able to um, talk to her device. And it's kind of, it also helps from like some of the isolation and the loneliness. Um, but we're also seeing that, you know, as I said, that over 50% of the households are using voice technology today um, and that they are using their speaker, you know, of them, like they're using it, 72% of them are using it on a daily basis. So to get to some of the features, um, we do have the, you know, health features where you would be able to um, set up reminders for whether it be your medications, your doctor visits, things of that nature. And what would happen is if you have the speaker in your home, we had done some pilots last summer on a few senior living um, communities. And we originally had a light that would go off and it would be a different light. You know, if you had a couple members of your family using the speaker, you choose it, everybody would have a different colored light. And it also have, would have a ping sound that would notify you that there was a reminder there. Um, one of the things we added, and I think would be great for um, our group here is that it's also an audible, um, it will speak to you and say, and you have a reminder so that, you know, you wouldn't, you don't have to necessarily be in the same room. It's pretty um, loud. It can go from a pretty far radius on a floor. Um, and then you would say, okay, Welby, what is my reminder or what is my um, notification? And then it would let you know whether it was something that was put in for a medication, you know, your morning medication. Um, and then she would basically then say, are you, have you taken your medication um, and ask for a response for adherence? Um, people can have their, um, you know, um, children or whomever, if they an emergency contact set up to be able to get text alerts, if in fact, you know, mom or dad didn't take their medication that day, or they missed a doctor appointment, they would get a text saying, you may want to check in on mom or dad, we didn't get a notification that they took their medicine today. Um, and I think you probably all realize, I mean, they're saying, they say that, you know, 50% of the population does not take their medication properly. It's not always because, you know, they, they didn't buy it. Sometimes it's, they just, you know, you forget to take it or you forgot to get the refill. Um, and then, you know, what happens when you get a couple of days delayed, if you have a chronic illness, it can become a problem. Um, so that's where the, you know, really the non-compliant alerts really come in to play to really help, um, you know, people manage their health a little bit better. Um, we also have, you know, just like other uh, virtual assistants, we have the capability, you can play music, you can ask it weather, you can ask it sports questions. My daughter is the Penn State, so I can ask it Wednesday, you know, Penn State football games, when do they start? And who are we playing against? Things of that nature, as well as there's pet health information. I mean, I know a lot of us love our pets and, and you want, you know, if there's something wrong, um, you know, can I ask well be some questions, pet health information. Um, and then, um, so those really kind of go over the alerts and, um, you know, some of the health information. One of the things that we're doing since a lot of this is kind of initially set up on an app on your phone, if you want to really use the whole, um, you know, system robustly with medications and things of that nature, there is a um, app that is set up on your phone. And we are going through right now, 
a whole compliance because we did just roll out a Medicare Advantage plan and we're going through, we had ourselves audited for, um, you know, for compliance, for accessibility. And we're in the process, we've, you know, done a number of changes already, but we are probably about halfway through um, both on Android and um, Apple uh, phones. So uh, in the next month or so, it'll be completely accessible as well as our website is going through that. We're going through an audit on that right now and then should be finished in the next two weeks. And then we'll be starting the work on our website. Um, see any questions so far? How much does it cost? Yeah, and I can get to you, Anne, because what we would probably want to do is a special um, pricing for, um, you know, for you, and um, and we can have make like a source code so that when anybody comes in to purchase it, they would get the lower price. But typically, um, you know, what it would be for a speaker would be about one hundred and seventy dollars. For the speaker. Okay. So, um, when if I got this, how do I put in information just by talking to it, or do I have to use a phone app to do that, or? Yeah, right now it's not where you don't put it in to talk to it. It would be because of a lot of it with medications. Um, that is one of the things that's challenging to with some of the, you know, the how you verbally say it to get it right on the phone. Um, so it is something where it would be there's drop down um, boxes. And then there will be once we're, you know, work through the accessibility, there will be, you know, uh, verbal in there to help guide you through. On the phone, you mean? Yes. Okay. We yes, have a friend right now who is dealing with some end stage cancer and that's one of his big complaints is he gets phone calls from various doctors and they want to schedule appointments and he doesn't always have pencil and paper or something to write down that information and he gets really frustrated because he's been a pretty independent person yeah. he's got mobility challenges now too so um he wouldn't be able to, well, he might be able to use a phone to put it in. I wouldn't be able to, but some people are better with iPhones than I am. So, yeah. Um, and what about the other products, the pendant and the, um, what else did you say? Um, yeah, the watch could be, the watch could be something where somebody uses it strictly as an emergency alert feature. And then you don't have to do really anything with it. It would just be touching the button. Um, and then it would call, you know, call for help. How much does um, it cost? What's that? How much does the watch cost? The watch would be um, oh, like $79 for the watch. And then there's a, because of the data, you could actually use it, you know, to call out um, as well as using the call center. So it would have a like 29 a, a subscription that's on a monthly basis, which is about $29. And then the, and then the pendant, the pendant really basically there, you wouldn't have any like phone setup or anything like that. It basically would come and um, it does have the fall detection. So if somebody were to fall, it automatically would call the call center or you could press the button for help as well. And it does have the two-way communication. And that is going to be um, 
a little bit lower. And, and again, I would send pricing to you, Anne, as a, you know, because it's different than a consumer it's going right just directly because you're more, uh, you know, um, give you more of like a, a bulk discount, I would say. So that one's going to be um, the uh, for the actual pendant. Be similar in price to, you know, close to um, like $80 for the pendant, but then the actual subscription is going to be less. It would be, you know, more like $19 a month. So the well-be, like just so you know, so on, for the watch, I mean, we talked about the speaker, you know, for the watch, it is going to, as we said, it's going to have the 24-7 emergency monitoring features. Um, it will, you know, it does have, um, if you're wearing it, it does have, collects your steps. It's going to, you know, be able to monitor your heart rate. Um, it also, you know, is good to be for outside the home if you were to fall or need help um, that, you know, would be able to contact um, 911, as well as the whole, it's shower safe so that if you went into the shower, you know, it's not going to damage it. Um, and, um, and as, as I said all before, it's also two way speak. Was that the watch or the pendant? You were That's about? the watch. Okay. So the now, watch, does the pendant have fall protection too? The, the pendant has fall detection, yes. And that will be out. We expect our first shipment to arrive um, at the end of February for that. We're really excited about this pendant because it just is like looks much more state of the art. Um, it looks like a, you know an Apple product. People can wear it around the neck. It's small. It could be put in a pocket. Um, but the pendant will also have the calling feature. It is also 4G. Um, it all again is shower safe. Um, it would have the GPS location tracker, just like the watch would. So if you were in an area um, and had a, you know, had an issue that they would be able to detect where exactly you were and, um, you know, for that feature as well. Okay. Anybody else have questions? Please. Well, you're thinking the one thing I would yes. you know, say is that it can also, you know, for the, for the, you know, really the speaker and the watch and ultimately the pendant after we've launched it, we're going to add on the well-be features to it, but it will give you not just like regular doctor appointments, but you can also kind of put in information about, um, you know, regular reminders. It will ask you when your last time you had a mammography or colonoscopy so that, you know, based upon your age, it will remind you. Um, and we also have like a, a a, an integration package that some people are, are, are interested in where it basically is like a medical um, as well as home integration where we work with over 400 brands to be able to um, like from a medical standpoint, be able to connect to like a glucometer or a blood pressure cuff. And what would happen is all that information um, that would would get stored up into, you know, um, the app on the phone. And so a physician or, you know, whoever a caregiver could actually um, be able to see what the, you know, the history has been, as well as if you have, um, you know, multiple people in your households or say, you know, I'm the, you know, the um, somebody bought, I'm the grandmother and my daughter wants, to, you know, wants to be part of the household to get, you know, non-compliance alerts. She could also um, go onto the app on the phone and be able to see what my readings were that day, um, you know, and uh, so without even, you know, having to call me, could, you know, recognize like what were um, my heart rate readings and things of that nature. 
as well as the home connectivity. So um, we'll be able to use your voice to turn on small appliances or, uh, you know, lights, locked doors, things of that nature. Julie has a question. Okay, I may just not have understood. Now, if you get the speaker, then you've got to use the app on your phone to put the information into it. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? You are, yes. You, that is the way it, it operates, yes. Okay. Now, and there is also just a phone app or not? There is just a phone app. That is um, right now, that's really, um, it, you know, it, for more um, commercial businesses and health plans. Um, ultimately, we're going to roll that out to consumers at some point as well. Um, okay. But it's right now through businesses. It's pretty okay, much, it's you- pretty much ver- it's pretty much very much the same in that, you know, you would have your information in there. The difference is that it has a little microphone that would be on the app to be able to ask questions. So if you wanted to ask questions about like, what are the symptoms of a hernia or um, you wanted to ask that also does, we do have some connections to health plans. So if somebody wanted to ask um, like, you know, I'm an independence blue cross and if I want to know what my deductible was, um, we work with a clearinghouse for health plans so that we'll give like high level benefit information. Um, so yeah, that would be all that can be utilized. But for now, there's a, there's a separate app then for putting things in for the speaker. Correct. We call it like an administrative app that kind of sets it all up. Okay. All right. And it can, you. you know, sure. And as I said, also, it can be, um, you know, some somebody else could also do the setup. I know the whole idea is that for an independence, you'd want to do it. But just in the a sense, as we're working through the accessibility on our app, um, just to know that it is something we do see from our, um, you know, people that are, are buying it. Some are like sending it to a different address. So sometimes I think it's, you know, a child or, you know, buying it for a parent or whatever, mailing it to a different yeah. address. Yep. So, you know, that really kind of goes over the integration packages where, you know, really to be connected to medical devices um, that, you know, and so then they would all be on your app linked up to whether it be like, um, you know, like I said before, a blood pressure cough or things of that nature. Um, and then also like a Fitbit or if you're using any type of exercise um, device, it, they would also funnel up. So kind of you picture it as one thing on a phone would have all the different readings um, that could be passed along to a provider. Um, Michael has a question for you. And let me see, I, I kind of really went over most of the key pieces. I wanted to kind of keep it short. And um, so to give you an idea of what oh, my little is saying, my internet is unstable. So hopefully I don't drop off here. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Go ahead, Michael. Okay. My question is, uh, and, and maybe I'm just not understanding part of this, but in terms of your pricing for your various services, let's suppose you've got uh, an older couple uh, living uh, together and they both want to buy your services. And let's suppose that their uh, monthly rate for like one person would be $19. Uh, if both are receiving service, does that just automatically double to uh, uh, $38? Or how does that work if you've got more than one person in a family 
that are interested in your services? Yeah, that's a great question. So if you're talking about the speaker, you know, that this is basically is in the home, um, that would be, you know, one time, you know, uh, you know, there isn't any monthly cost. It would be, you know, you purchase the speaker and then off you go. The only thing is if you wanted a duplicate, like if somebody wanted one for upstairs and one for downstairs and they would work together, but, um, you know, that would be, you know, one for the family. The difference would be if it's somebody to use an emergency, like a watch, that's something that would be more not would help them in the home, but also when they're out and about, that would be two different prices, you know, you know, one for each. Okay. Uh, I, I guess that makes sense. But uh, some of the services that you uh, have talked about would seem to overlap things that we are already getting through the A-L-A-X-E-A. I'm spelling it so she won't respond to me because I'm sitting uh-huh. near one of her outlets. But uh, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, give me an idea of where the overlap is and what services beyond the A-girl uh, you're getting. I understand some of the medical alert services, but uh, what's the difference in your speaker and and a girl uh, from Amazon? Yeah, um, well, some of them are you know it it is like set up to also you know to, to be to um, like in a caregiving circle so that you would have um, other people that would be you know notified of certain things when they do or don't happen. Um, but I think a key thing is you know for since we are, since we're really dealing more what we're, our goal is to be more health focused and really trying to have people utilize um, the devices to help themselves better manage their health. Um, a key thing is that it is, you know, HIPAA compliant where um, the A girl isn't. Um, and, you know, there definitely has been, like you said earlier, you know, um, a lot of different articles and some people don't care. And some people, you know, really want to have their privacy. They don't want, to be having recordings made, you know, prior to them asking questions of what's going on in their home. Um, you know, there's definitely been some, you know, breaches with that. Well, I mean, they, Amazon had kind of basically came out and said that they do that for training purposes, but um, also they're kind of listening in. They have people that actually listen in on people's homes to be able to figure out what's going on prior to them asking questions. So, um so when you're dealing with your know, medical information and we're going to be much more health focused, trying to, and everything on our roadmap is like helping to uh, work with chronic diseases, be able to push out notifications to people if they have diabetes or heart disease or things of that nature. So you really want to make sure that your information is secure. So I think that's one of the biggest differences. And, you know, people, some people, you know, you know, um, have multiple devices in their home. Um, you know, that's something that's, you know, possible as well, but it's, yeah, it's just basically, it's a different version of, of a voice assistant. Except you said that it does not, uh, that, that it is a voice that tells you different things, but it doesn't listen all the time for you like the A-girl does, right? Right, exactly. It's not, there's no recordings that are stored um, you know, it's basically, um, goes from voice to text when they hears your question and then responds back to you. And then, you know, it's off. Are these devices useful in, um, what am I trying to say? Long-term care facilities? 
Yeah, I'm- interesting you just say that because we were just right before the call um, that got on with you all. It was on with a, a company um, that they basically do uh, nurse call um, in uh, several hospitals in our area, Jefferson and um, Penn, uh, a couple. And also they do work in a couple senior living communities. So they're looking at using um, our device as kind of a, um, a wake up, um, you know, for just a, a check in wellness check in throughout the day. So we're in discussions with them as to how they can use our voice because they're, they don't have that today. Um, so, yeah, we're in a lot of discussions with senior communities, especially independent living um, that, they're very interested in being able to, um, you know, be able to have people, st- you know, want to stay in their homes as long as they can and um, be able to utilize this. And that if for in this, that situation, we could have like, if somebody um, had needed help or had a question, it could go routed to their nurse station first, um, and, as opposed to our call center. Um, and then they can decide whether it's something where, you know, the person just needs help in their room or whether it's something where an ambulance needs to be called. So we can customize it when we're selling to businesses. So we can kind of make it um, applicable to their business. And that's that's what you mean by business would be a, a nursing facility or a retirement facility or uh, a senior center of some kind, correct? Correct, yep. And that's, you know, what... My, I do a lot during the, you know, talk to a lot of different senior communities. I talk to um, health plans, specifically Medicare Advantage health plans, um, you know, that are very much um, are kind of a, an audience that's of interest. Okay. Um so I can get you and some pricing then too. I can send that over to you. Okay. Well, you know how to find me, so that that's that would be good. I do know where to find you. <laughs> um, Leslie, if you're there, I we're gonna have to go to that parenting video probably because we've got quite a bit of extra time right now. So I want to thank you though, uh, Janice. Um, this has been very interesting, and I think that. Uh, the the medical aspect of it and the privacy is is a big reason to consider it and and the fall detection i tend to fall outside when i do and i can't i can if i can get something to hang on to i can pull myself up but if i don't have anything to hang on to and i'm by myself i'm you know i'd have to crawl to a a step or a porch or something so that would be very helpful. I don't travel by myself very much anymore, but if I decide I want to, that would be um, really useful. Um, and I don't know what my, I have a friend who may be on this call who needs that. He has a, um, oh, it's like Meniere's disease, but it isn't. It's a, a, a balance issue. Okay. And he'd been looking for devices that would help with fall detection that he could afford. And so I will make sure he finds out about this if he's not on the call. Hopefully yeah. he is on the call. And the so, pendant may be something because that definitely will be 
less expensive and you know it may not because some of the other like the watch may have too many features sometimes people don't want all those features um so i'll definitely you know get that information to you because it's going to be less than what would be on our, our website does, I would the watch, does the watch talk um the watch does talk that you can ask it and um questions yeah but will it answer you then will it talk back or is it a visual display um, no, you could talk back. Let me see. I don't know if I had this one charged. Let me just ask. Um, what is the weather out today in Trap, Pennsylvania? The weather is 32 degrees and partly sunny near Trap, Pennsylvania. So that's on the watch. Uh -huh. that's so, good. Yeah. And you, and it said it's, you said it's got a pedometer on it too? Pedometer, a heart rate monitor. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, a larger face, you know, some people don't like it's in the fact that it's a larger face, but I think it has a lot more dexterity for, especially for seniors. Um, and uh, so, you know, it's just a little bit larger than an Apple watch, but um, you know, it's, it's it definitely has too. definitely I more visual. And quite a bit cheaper than an Apple watch. Oh yeah, definitely a lot cheaper than an Apple watch. Because with the, you know, with a watch, you also need to have the phone, and it's like you know, a lot going on there. Right. Okay, Deb, are are we ready to roll yet? I don't mean Deb. I mean Cecily. Yes. Okay. Well, thank right. you very much, Janice. All right. We well, have, have a good rest of your conference. Thank you very much. All right. Bye now. Bye bye. We are running ahead of schedule, and so if Cecily is ready to, sh to share it, we have a video that's, Michael found it, and it's, it's interesting because it's not part of this program really, but it's uh, Eric and Rebecca Bridges, you'll remember that Rebecca visited us many years ago, and they're talking about parenting their two-year-old son, so we can have that video. My name is Eric Bridges, and I am the executive director of the American Council of the Blind. But more importantly, I am married to my wife, Rebecca, and am the father to Tyler, our two-year-old son. Sandy hair, sport coat. Tyler can see, but both Rebecca and I can't. Rebecca and Tyler play with Legos. So life is interesting as it is for anybody that has a two-year-old child but it's it's interesting for us in that uh, he's obviously very active he is sighted he is curious about his world which any kid of that age should be uh, and he's he's learning how to how to navigate his his world and how to how to communicate and express his wishes and desires in different ways, and learning his vocabulary. And so it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wild ride, it's great. He's, got a great. he's got a great temperament. I think he's got a really cute voice also. He's got a, he's just, uh, he's great. And I'm not afraid to say that I'm totally biased about that. Blonde-haired Tyler scampers past his mom. As parents who are blind, uh, we do take uh, 
certain things into consideration, uh, for example. And a lot of, I know that a lot of sighted parents do similar things as well to keep track of their kids, but. Rebecca helps Tyler with shoes and socks. We, uh, we attach little bells to his shoes or to the back of his shirt so that we can hear him when he's roaming around the house or uh, in the backyard or in our, our courtyard in the front of our townhouse. The family outside of a restaurant. When we're out in public with him, uh, we utilize a, what he likes to call a backpack. He actually calls it his doggy because it's, it's uh, a little uh, harness of sorts that it looks and feels like a backpack with a dog on the back. Tyler walking down the hallway. The doggy has a tail, a really long tail, which is essentially the uh, kind of the, the leash that gives him uh, probably three or four feet of freedom, but also we can wrap around our wrist so that we know where he is. It's a, an incredibly fulfilling thing to be able to engage with your with your kid and you know he's only two so the engagements will become even greater and uh, louder probably and uh, more intense <laughs> good and bad uh, in the future but um, you know I'm I'm really happy I mean we, we wanted to have a kid and uh, you know it, it took us a little while to, to have a kid and we're so grateful that we have them. Rebecca puts pants on Tyler. We use something called a color identifier uh, for his clothes. That It's this uh, device that you uh, wave over or press up against clothing, and it will say audibly what the color is or colors are um, so that we're able to, to ensure that he, uh, he's coordinated and uh, on top of that, we have some, you know, rather neutral, like, pants and shorts that go with anything, too, so. Tyler crawls on off the side of a bed. He's a little boy. I mean, he loves, he loves to play with cars and trucks, and we roll them back and forth in our house. Um, he likes to play with blocks, and he loves building his towers. He calls them towers. Tyler stacks Lego pieces. Tyler knocks over the stack. He loves to destroy the towers. <laughs> and blocks go flying everywhere. Tyler retrieves a Lego block. It's, uh, it's pretty neat. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just nice having a kid that has a good, he's got a good sense of humor. Eric tickles Tyler. He listens pretty well. Um, not Obviously not 100% because he's two. Uh, but he's just, uh, Oh, he's just a cute kid. Eric, suit and tie, speaking into a microphone. Our lives are astonishingly normal. Um, uh, yes, you know, my wife and I can't see, but uh, the, the parenting and the uh, sort of the expectations of, that we have of, for Tyler um, are, are really no different than any other parent. Uh, we experience many of the same challenges and getting him to listen at times, <laughs> getting him to, um, you know, learn different things, but it's not, it's not because we can't see, it's just because we're parents. I think our life is really good and uh, we're so happy that he's, he's our son and that 
We're uh, getting to know him better as he gets older. A logo, ACB in print and braille, American Council of the Blind, together for a bright future. And this is Michael Byington. And uh, I might just say a couple of additional things about that video. Uh, for those of you who have been longtime members of the American Council of the Blind, which is the uh, national organization with which we are affiliated as KABBI, uh, and who have been to the website several years ago, would uh, know that that was an introductory video, which for a while, I'm not sure how long, was up on the ACB website. But I thought it would be a good thing for us to use because Let's face it, we've had many new people join since it was up, and uh, ACB uh, has uh, a far reach in, in many, many different areas. Uh, I think it's a good positive piece, but one thing that is demoed in there that we don't really have anywhere else on our program. And that uh, Ann didn't mention as the video was uh, introduced, you may have noticed that there were certain times that there was a nice deep bass voice that sounded very good for broadcasting that was telling you what action was going on on the screen. And that action description is called uh, audio description or video description. Both terms are used. And ACB is affiliated with the audio description pro project, uh, which is a part of the national activities to promote and uh, get audio description into more and more categories of areas. Uh, ACB is largely responsible with the uh, description project for the fact that uh, when the Telecommunications uh, Act was re authorized several years ago, uh, there is a requirement now that all major networks have a certain number of hours. Uh, it was originally 50 hours per quarter, and it may have uh, extended to a larger amount since then. I'm not sure on that, but uh, uh, you can get the audio description on most local television stations or find out if they're having audio description by uh, setting your uh, SAP or separate audio program uh, settings to on. Now there is a downside to that. That is also sometimes used for uh, foreign language broadcast. And I know Ann and I have uh, our two TVs set for uh, audio description just automatically. And uh, we frankly find our remotes rather cumbersome to turn that on and off, so we just leave it on. But when we go to watch a sporting event like uh, a football game during the playoffs, on the TVs where we have the audio description automatically set to come on, instead we get the broadcast of the ball game in Spanish. And that hasn't been a problem because what I have discovered we can do, and I'm sure many blind people uh, use this solution anyway because it's better description, is we... Uh, put the A-girl or uh, our uh, computer or a radio station on that has the same game and listen to that with the sound off on the television. Uh, that's something that's not any 
great new thing to, I think many people do that, but it's particularly helpful when you can't really see the action that's going on on the sporting event because the radio broadcast obviously is filling in more of the gaps. As a low vision person, one thing I like about doing that uh, is uh, quite often that uh, the radio and the TV are not quite synced. They'll be about a two or three seconds, sometimes up to maybe 20 or 30 seconds uh, difference between what the radio or computer or uh, Alexa is uh, describing and uh, what is being shown on the TV. And usually uh, the TV is running a little after the, uh, the, the, the radio broadcast. Once in a while it runs before. And what I have found as a low vision person is if the TV picture comes slightly after the description that's helpful because I can look then at the screen real closely and maybe figure out what I'm supposed to be looking at, which is helpful to know about. So uh, I enjoy that. I also don't mind it when uh, it's the other way around and I'm kind of looking at the TV picture and I'll say to Ann, well, I think they just made a first down, but I'm not sure. And that lets us perk up our ears and listen to the broadcast say, first down, and we go, oh, Michael saw that correctly, or Michael didn't see that correctly. So uh, uh, I, I find uh, the audio description that was nicely demonstrated on that piece to be a very helpful thing, whether you're low vision or whether you're totally blind. I would say that once in a while, there are still things that you miss that I think would be good for, to describe. For example, there wasn't room for the audio describer. And that audio describer, by the way, is a gentleman named Joel Snyder, who is uh, one of absolutely the industry leaders in that field. He wasn't able to insert comment in the video at the time when uh, uh, Rebecca and uh, I'm blocking on the little boy's Tyler. name. Tyler. What's that? Tyler. Tyler, yeah. Uh, but Rebecca and Tyler uh, in one scene are reading a uh, Braille to print uh, children's book where Rebecca can read it in Braille and uh, uh, Tyler can look at the pictures and uh, see the same things written in print. He's probably not reading yet, but for kiddos that are from about two to uh, uh, the middle years of elementary school, those twin vision books are wonderful things. And I'm sorry that didn't make it into the description. So I thought it would be good to uh, describe that little bit. But other than that, that is an excellent description about how much audio description can enhance uh, watching a video like that. And uh, I thought since we had the time, I would interject those comments. Thank you. We have two door prizes from the Literacy Project. Thank you, Pat. Uh, one is a, the first one is a $25 gift card from Olive Garden. And I don't know, Bob, are you still on? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. You want to go ahead and give us, Michael, get a number, would you? All right. I'll have to happily do that. Alexa, give me a random number between one and 42. Here's a number between one and 42. It's 41. Okay, 41. Number is 41. We had 14 last time, so the A-girls switching them around. Okay, that is Ron Down. He's one that I just received the 
registration today from Ulysses. And to my knowledge, uh, he's never been a member. Can right. you spell his last name, Bob? D-O-W-N. Oh, down. Okay. Well, That's good. Ulysses. I don't know how close there is an Olive Garden to Ulysses, but... Well, <laughs> Garden City, probably. There you go. You can give it to somebody else if you can't use it. All right. Uh, Pat, we're going to let you go ahead and be early if you'd like. Thank you. And you can take a little more time if you'd like. Thank you so much, Ann. This is such a pleasure and honor to be here. I'm... Pat Tusing. This is the Literacy Project. At age 10, I was illiterate, and uh, I knew I was illiterate. Five years later, I worked real hard, was accepted to the University of Michigan my junior year in high school, but my parents did not let me go. So I went to New York at age 19, got a pair of glasses, attended an Eastern school, decided to live in the third world, ended up in Madrid where I had a job and attended the University of Madrid graduated from Vassar College, became a teacher. Things were sailing along, and then my vision changed. So I became a lobbyist, and from there, I became very interested in education, worked with parents of children who were blind and with low vision in the 1990s. Boy, was that a shock. I realized something had to be done. I was working on trying to figure out a solution. In 2000, with the American Printing House for the Blind, jointly we put the Braille self-instruction books back into the Library of Congress uh, NLS system because they had been removed. From there, what was then a literacy project under a different name, I started donating books to the Indiana Braille and Talking Book Service, and 40 families taught their children to read Braille. Parents, loving parents, taught their kids to read Braille at ages five, six, and seven. Literacy Project branched out and provided books to 42 state libraries, self-instruction books on how to learn Braille. Five libraries got large print books for teaching children with low vision how to read. Excuse me. Two years ago, or almost two years ago, the assistant director to the Indiana Department of Education asked me if I would be a volunteer advisor to the VIPS, Visually Impaired Preschool Services Program in Indiana, which I am. First thing I did was donate white canes for free to the children with the help of a certain wonderful orientation mobility specialist named Michael Byington. I got the right sizes of canes as a result VIPS has a grant. Any child can get any cane to suit the child's height, you know, who's under age six, that is. And they have a grant for orientation and certified mobility services after work so the parents can see their child learn to walk independently. Also donated a complete library so parents can teach their children to read before six. Where do the books come from? One of the places is Seedlings, seedlings.org. Any parent, any teacher can go to free books, the link, and find free books every year. Any teacher of the visually impaired can get free books. Same for the parents. One of the books that I really like 
is the Osborne Picture Alphabet Book. It's ideal for adults with macular degeneration, and children with low vision can teach themselves to read because there are large pictures, very large print, and jumbo braille. Literacy Project donated this to the NLS system in uh, 2017. There's another book, but it's on a container ship somewhere, called the Sensational Alphabet Book. These books have talking tabs like a greeting card. A apple, B ball, C cat, D dog. Kids, children, students can teach themselves Braille by just hitting the tabs. They know where they are. They know what the page is. They consider it a game. That's why teachers love the book. Extremely important that parents sign children up to the library services like the Kansas Regional Talking Book Service or your state's Talking Book Service. I assume people are listening from outside of Kansas. Because that entitles a child to a free membership to Bookshare, Bookshare Bookshare.org. Go to Bookshare, adjust the settings. It has its own internal speech. Turn on the large print. Turn on the audio. Select Read Now. And a child or or anyone can read the book in large print, listen to the book audibly, and do both at once, meaning the word is magnified word is spoken and the spoken word is magnified. Bookshare also offers Braille. One can download the Braille book and use it with an Orbit reader or with the NLS players where you put the uh, thumb drive into that little slot or with the experimental NLS uh, experimental Braille reading devices that will be available to us in probably two years or so. So one could use Bookshare for Braille, large print, etc. But what's amazing is that Bookshare has textbooks. This is extremely important because a lot of parents have trouble getting textbooks. Offers how to teach your child to read books. Offers how to read primers and books for pleasure. And remember, it's supporting Braille, speech, and large print. So this is a bonus. So every parent out there, every teacher is visually impaired within the sound of my voice, please sign your children up to the NLS system and to Bookshare. Literacy Project is sending information to universities, school corporations, departments of special ed, sends books to various state school departments of special education. For example, an Eastern College is about ready to send the Literacy Project information to its graduates. The Stephen A. Austin Department of Education in Texas and the Indiana State Department of Education in Indiana has sent Literacy Project information to every single graduate. I attend the conferences. I'm in touch with parents. I'm in touch with school corporations. I'm in touch with teachers. Good, because it gives a lot of feedback. These packets is a four-page explanation in a little bit more detail of what I'm explaining now. The project is also providing books for libraries. This is extremely important. Deaf and hard of hearing community has correctly introduced us all to sign language. Good for them. It's time we put Braille into the libraries. Braille belongs in neighborhood libraries. Literacy Project is doing this. There's a program called Interlibrary Loan. Call up your local library. Ask to talk to the reference librarian. Say, tell me what do you have in large print? What could you get me in Braille? It's all free. The local library will make sure you get the book, and 
there, there are you know, math books, science books, literacy project books on teaching Braille and teaching children to read with large print, all free. This is available all over the United States and Canada. So I'm big on putting books in libraries. I apologize for my speech. I'm doing the best I can to compensate for what the lovely Omicron virus has given me. The voice is kind of disappearing. Wonderful affiliates within the ACB, like Kansas, has a few people that are God's gift, like Mrs. Jansen and Ann Byington, who teach Braille for free. Adults could learn Braille at any age, and these ladies have stepped up to do this for years. Any adult wanting to learn Braille should contact the Literacy Project. Notice the use of the word free, free, free books, because they should be free. Other states have done other, similar things. Uh, excuse me. Michigan presented at a literacy conference for parents. They used the literacy books and had information about how to navigate the school systems and the American Council of the Blind. In Utah, the Salt Lake City chapter plus the Utah affiliate does an annual Easter egg roll where 70 children get to have fun. The parents are shown the books, and the parents are taught how to navigate the school system. Great idea. Any chapter, any affiliate that wants to put books in libraries, find me. The books are free. If you're a president of an affiliate and you want books for every single convention, find the Literacy Project. If you are an adult that wants to learn Braille, find the Literacy Project. I will also give due mention that community at acb.org has daily Zoom chats, and one of them is Braille Together. That is an approach to Braille that is successful. The Literacy Project supports any group promoting literacy. There's also, excuse me, I had to breathe, www.braillerevivalleague.org, fine organization. We could be helping people get the books they want and need. If you know of a child that could benefit from Braille, or any book, a large print book, any type of book at all, find the Literacy Project. Now I'm going to attempt to do something that's never been done before. With my voice such that it is. This should be interesting. Within <laughs> Windows 10 and 11, I'm sorry, there is a built-in program called Narrator and Magnifier. I think... We have a right to know about this. That's why I'm doing it. Think of the plus sizes of clothing. The thing that gets bigger is a plus. I'm going to have all sorts of memory aids here. So to start magnifier, you use the Windows and Microsoft key and the numpad plus. The numpad turned off. That turns on magnifier. Beautiful. Nice and big. You can increase or decrease using the plus or the minus. If the steps of the increase and decrease in the font size are too big, go in the settings and lower the increase and decrease ability when you hit the plus and the minus. Magnifier reads. So here come the combinations of control and enter key commands. Think of it this way. You control it, you enter into it. So start magnifier speech, control, alt, enter. At that point, you're reading. If you move page up, page down, you'll have to start, Control, Alt, Enter. That's magnifier speech again. 
If you're lost, find the word you're on by hitting insert numpad 5, and it will read the word audibly. Control, I'm sorry, control, alt, enter. That launches magnifier speech. What I'm talking about here are two programs that read what is depicted in large print, depicts in large print what is spoken aloud. One, bookshare.org, and two, narrator and magnifier combinations. That's magnifier, then narrator. I tend to use launch narrator, then magnifier. Let's assume, to keep it easier, that narrator is started. So I add magnifier. Remember the plus? It's a Microsoft thing. Free in Windows 10 and 11. Hit Microsoft key and plus. Magnifier's on. Whatever narrator reads, magnifier will keep up with. It's synchronized. So the spoken word is depicted in reverse, reverse coloration and in any font size you want. Reverse image. How do I use this? Oh, I have so much fun with this. I go onto YouTube, www.yu.com. In Narrator, to find the search field, Microsoft key and S for search. Hit Enter. Well, type the thing in first, then Enter. You want the results? Do a Control S for Find. Type in the word results. You'll be on the results. So if I want to go to the Air and Space Museum at the Smithsonian, to the British Museum to look at the friezes on the Parthenon, to go to Yosemite National Park, I can go there with narrator, magnifiers on. I can see anything in any font size I'd ever want. Works great on YouTube. On a web page, narrator begins reading automatically. You want to find the links on a web page, sometimes insert plus F7 will find you those links, arrow up and down. Caps lock plus S. Why they picked S? Maybe links are plural, so that's an S there. Caps lock plus S. Bring up the links, arrow up and down. Oh, narrator is extremely good on the web. It's great in email. Reads really well. In Word, do Control Home, do Insert, Down Arrow. Magnifier, Narrator, Narrator and Magnifier, they work together, they're synchronized. Or you can do it alone, Narrator or Magnifier, works great in Word. Some senior citizen centers are starting this. I think it's important that we know this. And I apologize for my voice. Persons who are older can continue using a computer without having to buy extra software. I've been using this combination for three years. I've seen the progression Microsoft has given us in features, and I know it's going to get better. I ask you to do one thing, however. Go to the Microsoft support line, 1-800-936-5900, and please ask for a supervisor. And tell them, the supervisor, the features you want to be improved or use the feedback link. important we get Microsoft to improve this because they're doing a great job. Stephen Jeffries was one of the keynote speakers at the ACB 2021 convention. 
said he's the director of accessibility for Microsoft, Stephen Jeffries, spelled with a PH. He said narrator is Microsoft's gift to the world. I say narrator and magnifier. Somewhere, sometime, you're going to have an opportunity to tell someone about this, and you'll be changing that person's life. We have a right to use free programs within the operating system. I can go to any library in the world, turn on a computer now, any research I want. Buy a computer, plug it in, turn it on, it works. People have installed Windows 11 using Narrator. People are working in their jobs using Narrator. No, it's not perfect. I realize that. But if you'll go to Microsoft and ask for the features you want, I think they will listen. They're just simply not getting enough direction from us. We can change that. I'm going to move on to Aster Braille. If you're having trouble learning Braille, remember the Literacy Project would like to help any adult learn Braille, any child learn Braille, any child learn to read when using large print, by the way. If you're having trouble learning Braille, put two fingers together like two index fingers or the index finger and the finger next door and sail across the line. Now I'm going to do the skinny on the quote down and dirty basic method of two-handed Braille it is not perfect, but this is the essence of it, and I want people to believe that you can do this, or one can do this, excuse me, in bad English. First line is line one. Line below that is two. Line below that is line three. Start with your hands together. Move across the line. Halfway across the line, the right hand is going to take over. The right hand is going to be the sole reading finger, the index finger, going to the right. After all, it's going to take care of the right side of the page, right? When it gets to the end of the right side, the left hand goes down to the second line and starts to read across the second line toward the middle. In the middle, the right hand comes to the rescue of the left, takes over, and reads to the right-hand side of that particular line. When it gets almost to the end, the left hand goes down to line three, goes to the center. What happens? Yes, it's the right hand joins it. So this is two-headed Braille. It will increase your reading speed. Practice it. At least everyone should have an exposure to two-handed Braille, just as I believe senior citizens need to teach narrator and magnifier. I think agencies for the blind need to teach narrator and magnifier, and I think we need to teach narrator and magnifier. After all, it's free. So um, I'm catching up to my voice and... My notes here, excuse me. Um, what the Literacy Project is trying to do provide very practical, widely available, low cost or no cost access to those practical literacy methods. I don't care if the person's going to learn Braille, I don't care if the person's going to learn with low vision. I've mentioned before I lived in the third world said that on purpose because in many third world countries, children with low vision learn with low vision and they learn Braille at the same time. In those countries, it's not uncommon to learn two languages, four languages, at the same time. A lot of people speak multiple languages. I do. So I feel that we should be helping others Libraries, school systems, universities, anyone 
have access to books that one would want to learn to read. I see the whole narrator magnifier thing as an application of literacy, good computer literacy. After all, it's free. Free is a big word in my vocabulary because the Literacy Project provides things for free. There was a lady who lived in the rural parts of the United States who couldn't get training. Literacy Project provided her and her husband all the books she needed. I taught her and her husband how to learn Braille. I did an overall explanation. She learned Braille. She's got a career. I was called yesterday. A lady knows another lady who is macular degeneration. That one picture alphabet book, you know, with the big picture, the jumbo braille, and another book will be on its way on Tuesday for free to that lady. Probably leaving out a point. I'm very good at leaving things out. But whatever the Literacy Project could do that helps another group that supports literacy, please find the Literacy Project and make suggestions. Get books for your libraries. If your chapter wants to put real books in libraries, find the Literacy Project. You're doing a convention every year. Lots of books. For yours for free. I believe that we are doing something absolutely amazing right now. Sometimes when you do amazing things, you don't realize it. We are making history. Because of COVID, we have set up a community at acb.org, all these wonderful daily chat programs, you know, subject after subject. Contact community at acb.org if you haven't, and you'll get a list of programs, learning French, you know, gardening, weaving, all sorts of religious programs, language, chit-chat, cooking, you name it. But this is fabulous because people are learning skills. We are teaching ourselves, including the Braille program. I believe with these media, acbmedia.org, forward slash one dash nine, we're on media eight right now. We are actually we are actually creating history. I know people on six continents are following what we're doing. My experience in the third world tells me they don't copy everything we do in lockstep. We are raising the standard of living for blind people around the world. And that is the genius of the ACB. Kansas is in its 101st year serving and fighting for civil rights. I say go Kansas. Please obtain email information from the Literacy Project and help me get this in the hands of teachers. If I had one wish, it would be that the teachers would forward these packets. They're all emails free. Parents of the children in their class. Children deserve and the parents deserve as much help as we can provide. So if there's something you think you can do, contact the Literacy Project. It'll help you find something to do or provide what you need for free. How do you contact the Literacy Project? It's easy. My email has the verb using in it. U-S-I-N-G. P-T-Using at Outlook.com. P-T-U-S-I-N-G at Outlook.com. P-T-U-S-I-N-G and Outlook.com. I'm going to take a, a sip of some liquid after I state the um, Literacy Project tagline. I invite people to ask questions. One minute. Please excuse me. 
the tagline and held it. The tagline for the Literacy Project is, I believe this passionately, literacy is a civil right. Now, if there's any questions anyone has or anything the Literacy Project can do for you or from someone you know, I need an email and I also need a phone number. So, uh, any questions? Michael Byington has his hand raised. Oh, good. Thank Hello. you, Michael, for the help with the uh, mobility and the canes. Hello, Pat. Excellent presentation. I want to ask you a question which probably doesn't have to do a lot with the promotion of uh, literacy as much as it does to just answer a question that I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think I arrived at this by uh, being a procrastinator. Uh, I'm a system access uh, subscriber, which is an older uh, way of getting speech into your computer that not many people are using anymore, but I still like it. I use it at my office and I had been remoting to it, which is something the system access allows at home. But unfortunately, they did some upgrades where my Windows 7 computer, which uh, still works great, but I'm going to have to upgrade it sometime soon, doesn't like to get into system access uh, remotely anymore. And Mike Calvo assures me that if I get with his, with him or one of his staff uh, for, which is, I think his company is now called Nemo, uh, for a while that they can talk me through getting everything working again. But I haven't had a chance or time to do that. So I've been experimenting at home when I decide I want speech instead of large print a lot with Narrator. And I really appreciate the things you had to say about Narrator because I have found that it is improved a lot and it's already on your computer. You don't have to subscribe to anything or buy anything or download any uh, new software. Uh, it's uh, just already right there and not even as hard to get to as like NBDA is. But what I found that I don't know if it's part of narrator or something else entirely, and I don't know where this is coming in, as of Windows 2007, and certainly with 10, and now I'm sure with 13, on a lot of word processing programs that you bring up, uh, not not Microsoft Word, but online, anything that's online, you can go into a menu which you can get to from the right click and it will give you uh, an option for read out loud. And then, and this is great for a low vision person, you can take your uh, cursor and put it on any part of the screen, click once and it will read from that point. And I have found the little lady that lives inside my computer uh, generated by uh, Read Out Loud to actually be much clearer spoken and much easier to work with than the classic narrator that you can load up uh, on the computer. And I'm just wondering, is that a part of narrator or is that something entirely different that Microsoft has come up with? Uh, I don't know where it came from, but I, I sure like that little lady. I really can't answer that because I've heard it both ways. I, I've also heard that in theory, read out loud may work with um, um, PDF documents. So you're doing, I just want to make sure people get the keystrokes. 
wherever you are, you're doing the right mouse click or the right mouse. I, I do. A, okay, if I'm in a website of some kind, now this doesn't work with Microsoft Word, but if I'm uh, in a website or have brought anything up, uh, I, I read a lot of the vanity story uh, websites where people publish their own stories, and I enjoy this amateur writing and so on. I can click anytime I'm in one of those uh, websites with a right click and an option about halfway down this long menu of choices is read out loud. And if I click that, it starts reading from wherever my cursor is. And then if I want to shut it up because I want to interact with that website in some way and it's getting in the way of doing that, I can right click again and the first choice is pause read out loud. So you can turn it off for a minute, do your interactive stuff or, or write your message, then turn it back on and it continues to work from wherever your, your cursor is. And when Thank you were you talking about easy literacy solutions, mm -hmm. I think that was really neat, but I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> well, Microsoft supports it. I know that. Mm -hmm. It's important that you share your experiences with Microsoft. And we, I'm, there are a lot of people who are still using Windows 7, so you've probably helped a lot of people out, <laughs> Michael. Well, I love Read Out Loud, so I just thought I'd share that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I want to add something that has nothing to do with what that great question you asked. I've been doing this for 22 years, and I receive no compensation from seedlings or, you know, Berkshire. I'm donating this. But thank you for supporting Narrator and Magnifier. It's a great thing in Windows 10 and 11. Everybody ought to go experiment. Is there? An, thank you, Michael. Is there another question? No, ma'am. Not right now. But I have one. Um, how many uh, states are you working with right now? Do you know? Wow. Or maybe I should ask how many you're not working with. <laughs> That's true. There, there are some states that... I've contacted every state in the United States. I've contacted every Department of Education. I've contacted a lot of schools of education. I haven't gotten to all of them. I tend to pick ones that teach, that train teachers of visually impaired. At one point, I've talked, worked with probably 25 different affiliates over time in the American Council of the Blind, but leadership changes, and you get wonderful new people every time. And that's fabulous. I think I'm saying that incorrectly. I apologize if I said that wrong. I have talked to school corporations probably in 30 states. I constantly am looking up new numbers to call, new people to write. It's, it's great fun. There's a role for chapters and affiliates. If you want to take on something locally, the Kansas people have done a brilliant job. Over the people in Michigan, Utah. BIPS covers it pretty well in Indiana. If you want to do something with a group of people or alone, know someone who needs any books. USING at Outlook.com. I like your question. Do you have another question, Ann? Um, Pat, you do have a hand raised. You have you. Julie. Yes. Now this business about this business about narrator and magnifier. That's like if you're teaching somebody Braille or something like that. Yes. No, everybody can use it. But what would the magnifier part do for me? I, you know, if you're totally blind, you don't need the magnifier. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah. 
But All right. let's suppose you want to be the coolest person in your family, which I'm sure you already are. Find a five-year-old. Sit that child beside you. Try narrator and magnifier. Have somebody, you know, go through it and practice it so, so you've got it down. Type a sentence with that child's name and have it be read aloud, word by word. Oh, that's, Think yeah, practice. that is cool. Yeah, yeah, if you've got it. Yeah, if you've you got it. You are now the coolest person in the universe. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you already are. And the other thing uh, is, you're in a position to tell other people about this. And if I'm going to step on your question a minute, let me say this. Think of the homework assignments that can be done by children with low vision that could not be done before. Because not only do you have large print, you have the verbal confirmation. This is being used in other countries to learn English. This is being used by children with dyslexia, uh, autism. Cool. Great aid to spelling. I love your question. All we have to do is tell people about this. There's nothing wrong with screen readers. Don't get me wrong, but this is free. Thank yeah. you for your fabulous question. Any other questions? Well, the computer that you already own, Julie, that you're not using, you could use Narrator on it and access quite a bit of it. I don't know if you could access everything on it, but you could do quite a bit with it. So that's another option. Well, whatever people want, please contact the Literacy Projects and we'll find a way of getting it done. I th want to repeat this. I think what we're doing in these chats, we are creating history. The whole world is watching us because six continents follow us and what we're doing. And I repeat and I thank you. It's been such an honor. Kansas, go Kansas. ACB is doing such amazing things in Kansas with its 101 years of service. But I close with this, and I thank you very much. Stay safe. And literacy is a civil right. Thank you, Pat. Uh, this one is an Amazon, $25 Amazon gift card. Alexa, generate a random number between 1 and 42. Here's a number between 1 and 42. It's 25. 25, Bob. All right. 25 is Faye McGuire. All right. She's a new one, too. Well, no, not really. She's nope. from here, Hayes. All right. Just one of the rare names in Kansas I hadn't recognized yet, but that's great. She was never active, really, in KBBI, but she paid dues for a long time. Well, she can, I'm sure, use the money. Kathy Dawson is a member of the Sunflower Topeka Lions Club, and she and her club came up with some projects that are beneficial to us. So I'm going to give you the floor, Kathy. You may tell us about them. Well, my cats are on the floor, so I don't want to be down there with them. So anyway. <laughs> okay. You don't need to be. <laughs> okay. Um, Several months ago, uh, we decided that we were going to do another project. Um, we uh, do projects uh, with uh, audio reader, 
we donate at least $500 a year to Audio Reader. And last year we made it six. But uh, we donate to Audio Reader. We also donate to the school uh, KSDS. And we also uh, get eyeglasses for people who can't afford them. There's a process that they have to go through. And we uh, raise money for these projects through some of our services. We uh, run concession stands at the sporting events for 501 Topeka, and we've raised quite a bit of money from that. Um, several months ago, I broke my cane elastic came apart. And so I showed it to Roger Yost, one of our members, and he said, you know, I think I can fix that. So we hunted around for materials, and Michael gave me some elastic and other things that he had. And neither he nor Mandy uh, restring cane. And I didn't know it until a few weeks ago, but Mike Russ does. But anyway, so we decided that this would be a good project. To get, we call it a cane, cane tune-up, it's $30. That includes putting new tape on your cane, a new tip, new elastic, and that's $30, and uh, part of the proceeds go to Audio Reader. And what you need to do is advertise this for me, and I'll keep seeing if Michael put something in the KABVI news about it every quarter. And uh, what you need to do is get the cane to me, and I will get the cane to Roger, and we will restring it and do whatever it needs to be done, and then we will send it back to you. And we've done several. I He's done two for me, and I think he did one for Ann, and I think he did one for Julie. And uh, I know that Canes are very expensive now. If you've priced them lately, $30 is not bad for a cane tuna. So if you know of anyone that needs a cane restrung or fixed, uh, even if you just need a new tip, it wouldn't be $30. We'd charge you what the tip was and a little extra probably well some of the tips are the marshmallow tips are about ten dollars a piece they're they're quite expensive and um we have found that we can get our cane supplies through canada through uh canada even with paying duty cheaper than here in the United States. And we thought that was quite interesting. 
but uh, we have bought several cane kits. Um, and we have supplies on hand. And I would say probably we would have your cane for maybe a week or so. And we would make sure that it got sent back to you. And uh, it, it's a worthwhile project. And hopefully it will take off and people will use this. If you know anyone else in another state or anywhere else, you can let them know about it. And uh, we'll see that you get your cane tuned up. And if you have any questions, I'll answer them. You probably need to give them contact information for yourself. Okay. My name is Kathy Dawson, and I live at 2929 Southeast Minnesota, apartment 312, Topeka, Kansas, 66605. My phone number is 785-408-8204 or 785-224-4952. And my email address is kdawson8952 at cox.net. And if you get in co contact with me, I'll see that we get you taken care of. Can you talk a little bit more about your other projects? Like, where do where do the glasses go that you collect? The glasses go overseas. Um, we uh, ship them over to third world countries. Um, we also collect glasses. So if you have some glasses that you need to get rid of, just let me have them. We also have glass boxes at most of the eye doctor places here in town. And uh, we collect quite a few eyeglasses. We also collect hearing aids. And they go over to third world countries. and. Uh, we even take glasses that are broken and people try to, you know, fix them. You might have a, a lenses that, uh, you know, just need a new frame. And we have, we have a man that uh, collects these glasses and he catalogs them so he knows what the prescriptions are. And he sends, he uh, has, a, has a list of what we have. And we have several um, eye doctors and uh, people that go over to third world countries. And they do surgery. And they also do um, fit people's glasses. We also have a project with the KU Med Center that people that don't have health insurance or don't have uh, means, if they need uh, eye surgery like cataracts or something like that, um, there's a process they go through. And if they're accepted, then uh, the Lions help pay for that. Okay. 
Um, we have been asked to help with artificial eyes, prosthesis, but that's just too expensive and we can't afford that. We also do eye screening for adults and children. We have several screenings at churches and um, head starts and um, school. We go to a lot of elementary schools. We go to a lot of uh, churches, preschool, and we do eye screenings for people. They, they're free of charge, and if they have a problem, then they can get referred and get help. And we've helped a lot of children, especially young, young children, preschool on up, and we've helped a lot of adults also. And um, we, we do a lot of, we do a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I blindness prevention and that kind of thing. We also do a lot with diabetes uh, awareness. We also send, uh, there are two uh, diabetes camps here in Kansas and we send children to diabetes camps two or three every summer. It's about $500 a piece and they get to go for a week and be like ordinary children and, and have, uh, and have, uh, you know, activities and don't have to worry about run their blood sugars getting too high or too low because the people are there to monitor them and, and take care of them. And we also have had a hearing camp for people who are hard of hearing. And if you have any questions, I'll take them. You also have a relationship with Kansas Specialty Dog Services too, don't you? Yeah, I said I said we help with KS. We give KSDS money every year. Uh, a, about twice a year, and they we also give to that invitation ball that they have as a fundraiser. We give to that also. And when I was a student there, they did they financed um, one time they financed my hotel costs. That was before they had apartments at KSDS, and uh, the other time, one other time I went. I've been there four times, but. Another time I went, they bought uh, a crate for me for my dog and supplies. And so you guys must have a tremendous fundraising option because you do a lot of things around the state to, to serve a variety of blindness-related issues. Yes, so what do you, we do. What do you do to make money? Pardon me? What, what are your fundraising options? Well, we... Like I said, we get a lot of money from the we get a lot of money from the concession stands that we run right. for five hundred one. Um, we we uh, also uh, 
get uh, get a lot of uh, we have a lot of uh, uh, projects that mainly we we uh, we just raise a lot of money with the uh, with the five hundred one school systems, and of course our dues our dues are forty six dollars uh, for every six months. It is a little costly, but I've enjoyed it. I go and work at the concession stands. We we also usually have had some pancake feeds and some. We have an auction every year. Um, during our we have steak fries and once a year, and that brings in money. And uh, Beulah is also a member of our club, and I'm also on the board of directors. So we we keep quite busy. Uh, well, uh, first, I think I would mention the Beulah that Kathy is talking about is our uh, former president for several terms of the state organization, Beulah Carrington. And... Uh, you know, you we're just using first names. We got people on here, I would assume, from all over the world. So I uh, wanted to share that. Uh, Kathy, uh, I think it's important to uh, create a, a an understanding of the way the Lion system works. And uh, uh, Ann mentioned the sponsorship of uh, her uh, uh, room uh, one time and getting a dog crate and so on when she was getting uh, dogs from KSDS. I think that some of that is raised by the local Lions Club serving that area of the state. I know you also do some support for KSDS, but then there are some programs I think come from Lions International, such as the Can Love Kids program in Kansas that provides uh, low vision exams for school children all over the state. And I just wondered uh, if you could explain anything about uh, what comes from Lions International in, and then what also is being done by the various uh, local clubs. Uh, the last thing I would add to that question is I can't remember whether it's uh, your Lions Club, Sunflower, or the downtown Lions Club, but for a time when uh, people would put glasses in the contribution boxes, uh, now, those glasses legally can't be distributed here in the United States, uh, but uh, sometimes somebody would put low vision aids in there, such as magnifiers or sports glasses, things like that. And uh, uh, I know one of the Lions clubs, and I can't remember which one, has made contributions a couple of three times of items like that uh, to KABVI because we redistribute used visual aids, which are not the same as glasses. Uh, and uh, uh, we can uh, legally do that. So they've given us that opportunity. And I, I just wanted to see if you wanted to comment on the different things that are done by local clubs as well as Lions International. And also let you know if you get any more low vision aids in those boxes, we'll be happy to redistribute those. Thank you. Well. Um, I don't know. I haven't been in that long, Michael, so I don't know about. I know that the Lions Club uh, International helps us buy those 
eye screeners that uh, we used for the uh, vision screening. We yes. go down to the we go down to the state fair every year and do thousands and thousands of um, eye exams every year. We work with an eye doctor here in town. Um, I can't remember which one it is now because uh, it used to be Dr. Linehan, but he's apparently sold out to somebody else and we're having some issues with that right now. But um, I don't know uh, about all the projects that the other Lions Clubs do. I know that we... Uh, we pick up a lot of eyeglasses and the downtown Lions Club does too. And as far as what they do and some of the other clubs in this area, I don't know. Because I just know what we do. Thank you. Okay, Kathy, there's one more thing that you do. Uh, don't you sell nuts and or does that go to those kinds of projects? Yeah. Oh, yes. We sell nuts every year and coloring books. However, with the pandemic, that has kind of slowed down. Um, I do have some nut orders from some of the people here, and I need to get with Bill because I can't remember which nuts he said he wanted. <laughs> I, know he, I know he said he wanted the chocolate, the, I think white chocolate. But anyway, we still have some nuts left, and... I believe they're $11 a bag this year. So we still have a few nuts and coloring books, but that's kind of dried up because of the pandemic and we can't, you know, get into as many places as we used to. We'll have a booth at the uh, Lawn and Garden Show. And we also uh, pass out information about our Lions Club and the projects that we have. In the past, you've done white cane uh, education. Oh yes, we've done we've done yeah, but we didn't do it this year because the library wouldn't let us in. Well, I know, but you have in the past, so you can. Yeah, we have in the past. Yes, white cane day. Yes, we have. Yes, and I'm not a lion, but I've been pleased to volunteer as a consultant on that project a couple of years to talk with people about orientation and mobility, and it is a a very good program. This is Lori Kessinger. I have been a lion in Kansas. I'm in with the Lawrence Lions for about 25 years. So I just thought I'd pop in real quick and, and help Kathy along with some of the, the background and um, about Kansas Lions. There are three foundations in Kansas. There is the Kansas Lions Foundation, and that is the one that deals with a lot of community education projects. They're the ones that fund um, or help fund the clinic, the uh, that Michael was talking about the um, what is it? I can kids love can, kids. can love can love kids. Thank you. That's the can the Kansas the Kansas Lions Foundation um, funds that. They also do some um, 
Oh, there's a, it's similar to the D.A.R.E. program and they fund that in schools. It's a, a anti-bullying, anti-drug education um, thing. So they do a lot of youth and community education, support that through individual clubs, but also across the state. There is the Kansas Lion Sight Foundation and they support sight-related entities. They provide funding to Audio Reader. They provide funding to the Eye Clinic at KU Med. Um, I believe they support KSDS, but anything sight-related, the Kansas Lions Sight Foundation will support in the state. And then there is the Kansas Lions Band Foundation, which uh, exists solely to support community bands. They recruit students each year from high school bands across the state. They come together at the state convention and sometimes the international convention. They come together for a week-long camp. They learn music. They perform at the, at the state convention of Lions. And in the past, they would travel to international conventions in you know Hong Kong and Singapore and Hawaii or wherever the conventions are. Great opportunity for kids to learn more about, about BAM. But the Kansas Band Foundation supports that. And it's for high school band students to participate in this um, statewide band. I think that's all the BAM Foundation does is support that program. But KansasLions.org is the website if you want to find out more, find clubs in the area. Um, but there's a lot of different projects across the state that are that are being done. And I think there's still something like 200, 250 clubs um, or possibly more in Kansas. So there's a lot of opportunity for support in your community. Any other questions? Thank you, Lori. I'm glad you're here, too, because we'll let you start earlier than we planned. Hey, they said you were running ahead of schedule. I said, great. I will pop in and talk because that'll put you back on schedule or behind. So (laughs) glad to help out. Stay right there. Don't go away. Uh, Any other questions? Okay. um, I'd like to ask a question that probably uh, is more for the officers. Um, You know, when people give their contact information, um, some people give it faster and slower than others. Would it be possible to send some of that contact in- information for the vendors and the people who speak um, in an email, maybe at the end of convention? Uh, it probably would be, yes. Okay, that might be helpful for those for whom you have email addresses. We can also put it in the KABVI news. Yes, you can. You can put it there, that'd too. Be, that's a great thing. That'd be- That'd be even better, I think. Yeah, to put it in the cabbie news because then everybody would get it. I already made a note during your presentation, Kathy, to uh, do another article about uh, the cane repair project and to put your contact uh, information in the KABBI news. Okay, please do. Thank you. I will do it. Okay. Last but by no means least, we have Lori Kessinger who is the outreach coordinator for Kansas Audio Reader. Kansas Audio Reader just celebrated their 50th anniversary and I'm proud to say that I know the people who started Kansas Audio Reader 50 years ago. And um, we were one of the first radio, or they were one of the first radio reading services in this country. And uh, Lori, has been helping us forever, and we're going to turn the the, um, floor over to you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. 
Yeah, this is getting to be a, a regular thing, right? Me presenting right. at your at your conferences. Yes, as as Anne mentioned, um, Audio Reader is the second oldest audio information service. It used to be called Radio Reading Services. Audio information service in the country. We came um, Minnesota, Minnesota Radio Talking Book, which is under the auspices of State Services of the Blind in Minnesota, was the first one. They went on the air in 1969. Um, there was a short-lived audio information service in Oklahoma that was second, but they didn't last very long, so we don't count them. And we say that Audio Reader was the second audio information service. So we went on the air in October of 1971. And just this past November, we celebrated 50 years. Well, we started celebrating 50 years. Um, we had a, a gala evening at Abe and Jake's Landing in Lawrence and had um, music and speeches and silent auctions and drinks and food and, and just kind of celebrated with volunteers and community members in the evening um, to celebrate 50 years of Audio Reader. We... Um, are planning on doing some additional commemoration celebrations as the year progresses to just kind of celebrate that. Um, at this point, nothing else has been really set in stone, but we're hoping to do some sort of picnic um, or outdoor thing in the summer where we have some of like former staff and former volunteers come together and just kind of reminisce um, and chat. We're probably going to have some fundraisers tied to that. So there'll be, we're going to celebrate for the full year and make the, make the most out of it. But um, yeah, so, so uh 50 years. Um, and things, of course, have changed in those 50 years. When we first started, we broadcast on the subcarrier of um, KANU, the public radio station based in Lawrence. Our founder, Petey Surf, worked out a deal with KU where she talked them into uh, carrying this newfangled radio reading service in exchange for her purchasing some equipment that would make the public radio station sound better and reach further. And so keeping audio reader or putting audio reader on was kind of tied into to that gift. Um, since then, of course, as many of you know, we have grown uh, in our reach. We now we, we have grown in our reach with the subcarrier. Um, we extended and we provide service to most communities that have public radio stations. So we operate on the sub channel of public radio stations across Kansas and Missouri. But the sub channel, the sub carrier technology is old um, and it is not great. Uh, it is the way that we can reach only reach some communities, but it doesn't reach everywhere. So over the course of time, we have also grown and changed with technology. The first major thing we did was in the mid nineties, we got in on this um, boon of computer aided call lines. I think the Kansas City Star had one for a while where you could call in and it would read you the weather and it would read you select articles. So using that technology, Audio Reader created what they called the Telephone Reader Service. We got funding from Lions of Northeast Kansas and Lions Clubs International to purchase the equipment to make this service and also to promote it and grow it. So Lions Telephone Reader, which still exists today, um, was a step away from the radio technology. People would call in to a local phone number and be able to use the touchpad on your phone to navigate through a variety of different publications, primarily newspapers in the beginning, but now it's a whole variety of things and it's menu driven and time, uh, not time constraints, whereas the radio was time constraint. Then of course, along came or around that same time, the internet. So we started streaming on the internet. We also have an archive page for the internet. We are working on 
Uh, we have a page where you can subscribe to our programs, and it's sort of a podcasting page, but we are working on a true podcasting page so that you can just find our podcasts or be able to get them from other sources. We have a skill for the Amazon Echo. Um, we are on Ciro. Uh, under the radio reading service tab on Ciro. We're also on Utunes and TuneIn Radio. And I believe there's one other that I um, am not remembering at the moment. Um, so there's a bunch of ways to listen to us using, using technology, using your phone or your computer. Um, most of the program, most of the access we are a public service at the University of Kansas. So our access to like the streams and the, um, the on-demand page, the download page, the podcast page, not the podcast so much, but the download page and the stream page need to be protected. The university is requiring us to protect it with a question. So when you go to the listen page to stream, it will ask you if you're blind or visually impaired and you must answer yes or it won't work. The same with our Amazon Echo skill. Um, you have to tell her that, yes, you are blind or visually impaired for it to work. So it's an extra step, but it's one of the requirements of being affiliated um, as we are with the university. Some of the freestanding services don't, don't have that requirement. Oh, I could go on for hours about that. But anyway, um, I will move on. Um, we, uh, as you know, as all of you know, the newspapers um, have started to shrink. A lot of them um, were recently bought out by a lot of the smaller papers, I believe Salina, Salina and Hayes for sure, maybe Hutchinson, but a lot of our Kansas newspapers were bought out by Gannett, which owns USA Today. And when that happened, the local content dwindled. The content in those papers became shared. So instead of having local stories about Salina in the Salina paper and local stories about Hayes in the Hayes paper, we ended up with just one story about central Kansas in both papers um, or a story that ran about Salina would also show up in the Great Bend and the Hayes papers. So that has created some challenges for us as far as providing content for our programming. There's just not, you know, the Kansas City Star, we used to read it for an hour, two hours on Sunday. There's just not content in there anymore. I think if you read from cover to cover, it still wouldn't cover. So that has created um, some challenges for us. We've tried to meet that by adding some online papers. The Kansas City Beacon and the Wichita Beacon are nonprofit newspapers that are internet only. Um, we try and pull in some of the, they usually have extended, Topeka does this, they have extended stories on the website that are not printed. So we try and include them in the Topeka reading or in the Kansas City reading or the Wichita reading. So we're trying to pull in other news sources into our reading, but the mission and the purpose of reading the material that is printed as it is written without any commentary, without any judgment, without anything um, is still very much our focus. We also are kind of moving to a more community type broadcasts. We're talking about doing, instead of just doing readings of newspapers, actually doing interview shows or having groups such as KBVI do little half an hour snippets or something where, you know, KB, KBF updates. And once a month, Michael would come and do a show about what you guys are doing. Um, we haven't initiated any of those, but that's some of the stuff we're talking about both for our podcasting page, but for us also for broadcast, just to flesh out the material because we are struggling to find stuff that is just printed um, to, to make available. I would encourage those of you that haven't 
tried us in a while to check us out again. Um, streaming or the Echo Skill, um, of course, are the best way. But if you do want one of our closed circuit, closed circuit radios, there is a fillable form on our website. And you can just go to the Audio Reader website, fill it out. That form shoots to me. And then I will get you a radio sent through the postal service um, to your house. Um, but I would encourage you to try that, to check out Telephone Reader, which I'll give you that those numbers. Um, if you haven't used us in a while, check us out. We may have changed. We may not have changed. But also, if you do use us, we would like feedback. Um, I have been thinking about, I think about things a lot and don't implement them sometimes, but uh, about creating an advisory group, a Zoom meeting, like a monthly or every other month, um, Zoom, where people would just call in and we'll just visit and chat and you can talk about programming, you can talk about other things, kind of a social hour for people who use Audio Reader so that us as staff and us as volunteers can get to know you a little bit better and so we can get a better feel for what you are looking for in your audio information service instead of just assuming, oh, you want us to read all the newspapers. There might be something that we don't do that would be very beneficial. So, um, you know, that's, that's out there. Um, as far as me implementing that, it probably will happen. If it happens, it will happen this spring. Um, but in the meantime, if you have feedback for us, please send it to us, call us, email, whatever. Our volunteers are always saying, I bet nobody listens to my show. Nobody ever tells me how I'm doing. And it's human nature. You know, unless you're doing something really, really horrible, people don't tell you, oh, that was great, or I really like that, or it was okay. It's only, unless those stupid surveys, you know, ask you to do that, but um, like at the end of your Kroger receipt. But um, so we would, we would, we do encourage and we would like feedback. Our listeners and our volunteers in particular would enjoy feedback from you, um, both good and bad. Um, so yeah, creating a little bit more of a dialogue would be a great thing to do. I do also want to talk about quickly about apps. Um, a lot of our fellow audio information services have, de have developed or in the process of developing apps. So we are, again, talking about it. Hasn't started yet, but I would encourage you, if you are app users, um, to check out the ones that exist. Minnesota Radio Talking Book has one. Um, it's up and running um, and very cool. Audio Journal, Audio Journal in Worcester, Massachusetts, they have one in beta testing and they are desperate for input. So um, I would encourage you if you, you know, if you like to do that kind of thing, download their app. I believe theirs is only an iOS. I don't believe they have an Android version, but they would love feedback from anybody anywhere. Um, let's say mine, mine's iRadio um, based in St. Louis. So serving the other part of Missouri that Audio Reader doesn't serve. They just started one. So check them out, mine's iRadio. Um, Owl Radio in San Antonio, Texas has one. Um, just had a meeting the other day. But um, I think it's really cool that these services have them. And if you're into technology, I would say go ahead and, you know, listen and check them out um, and give us some feedback on what you like and don't like about them because that could inform the one that Audio Reader creates when our tech guy gets around to creating one for us. I think... That is all I have to update you all on. Um, I'm sure I forgot something, but does anybody have any questions or can I clarify anything for anyone? You're gonna give the contact for the telephone reader? Yes, yeah. Do you want me to do that now or when I conclude? Go ahead and do it now and we'll do it again maybe later okay. too. 
Telephone reader, there are several numbers. There's a Kansas City number, there's a Topeka number, there's a Lawrence number, and there's a Springfield, Missouri number, but I'm going to give you the 800 number. Um, so it's 800-335-1221, 800-335-1221, and then the demo code is 5887. On your phone pad, it spells K-U-T-R, if not helpful, if you can't see your pad, but that's the whole. 5887 is K-U-T-R, 5887. That will give you a six-minute demo. If you want to subscribe to um, Telephone Reader and have your own codes to listen unlimited, again, fill out that form on our website. Say you want Telephone Reader, and I will get you your own codes, which will allow you to, to listen and browse through it. You know, Sometimes that demo code We'll let you listen as long as you want. It just depends on how many other people are on the phone line. You'll be the first to be dumb if there's other people trying to get in because I think we only have seven lines. Um, but that's a good way to check out and see what it is. And then um, all of these services, of course, are free. So, you know, sign up for everything and use the ones that work and you know, don't use the ones that don't. Our website is reader.ku.edu. And the listen link would be reader.ku.edu slash listen. There's also the on-demand. Um, we do have a SoundCloud account. If you get on the SoundCloud and look for Audio Reader, and that has some um, specific programming, I believe VFW Magazine, Veterans Voices, The Levin, which is the newspaper of the Archdiocese of Northeast Kansas, um, and some other longer form publications are on SoundCloud and then like us on Facebook. We also have an Instagram and a Twitter. After 32 years, I'm getting good at this. <laughs> I didn't realize it was quite that long, but that's great. Well, yeah, I, I came, I came to audio reader in 1990. Um, and, uh, I do want to, as a side, Michael, we had a celebration. We had a, uh, for our 50th anniversary, we had the governor sign a proclamation declaring it Audio Reader Week or recognizing Audio Reader. And Michael was able to join us at the State House for um, a little celebration beforehand with a bunch of volunteers. And um, Nancy Johnson was there from KBVI. And Michael, um, was that it from I, your group? I, you were the two who were officially there from KBVI. There may have been some other. Somebody else. Yeah, I can't remember, but I appreciate your involvement in that. And we do have pictures of that on our Facebook page. So if you want to see Michael standing on the State House steps, not in handcuffs, um, that would be a good place to look. <laughs> well, and I didn't, take up, I didn't take up all my time. You're still way ahead of schedule. I, well, I figured I'd be the one. I'd be the one to uh, make you go over time and have to stay late. Well, it might have been somebody else had, but everybody today was right, actually a little shorter than they said they were going to be. So, actually, I do have an observation to make about uh, Lori's presentation this year. This year, she's looking very professional, sitting in what appears from the background to be her office. Nice office, very cheery. Last year. We were in a greater sequestered uh, pandemic period, and we got to see Lori do her presentation from her home, and her little granddaughter was running back and forth behind her, playing with things all during the presentation. She didn't interrupt the presentation. She was very good, but she was there. So I miss seeing your granddaughter this year. 
Yes, we are back. Um, Audio Reader opened up in August on a limited um, time. So we're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 2.30, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, 8 to 5 on Thursdays. Our studio is open and we have a limited number of volunteers coming in to record. Most of our volunteers are still reading from home. Um, When we closed at the beginning of March 2020, they scrambled around and set up home studios. We have one lady who has a laptop on an ironing board with a Mickey Mouse lamp and a microphone, and she records her programs there. We have other people who have turned spare closets into actual recording studios. So there's a whole mishmash of things, but a lot of people are still recording from home, but we do have a limited number of people who couldn't set up studios, they didn't have the space, um, or just didn't want to mess with that, who are now back in studio. So that's allowed us to um, open up a little bit more. We're still closed on the weekends, but yeah, we're back. So I'm in, I am in the office Thursdays and Fridays. Nick Carswell is in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and we have other staff is in and out, but the two of us are kind of holding down the, holding down the forts here, but you are right. I am in my official office, which is kind of a mess because I haven't been in very much. And um, Mirabella is now my granddaughter is now with me on the weekends. So if you want to see Mira playing, you'll have to zoom with me on Saturday and Sunday, and she'll definitely be around. She likes Zooms. She now participates and likes to wave at people and tell you things. So uh, this year would have been mu- would have been much harder to do this year because she's much more verbal. You have a, a Kathy has her hand raised. Well, Lori, uh, I have a, que- a question about about I have a I have a question about the books that you read. Um, Several months ago, you uh, there was there was a man that came to our Lions Club, and he had a book. I think it's called "On Angels' Wings." It's about his daughter that was killed in a accident. A drunk driver hit hit yes. her. Okay, do you still have that book on the CD? We don't have it on CD. Um, It was recorded. It's recorded in a digital file. So we have the MP3s of that book. And we did, we did say we aired it, I believe a month or two ago. Um, But we do still, we do still have the files. um, So we could, we could get them to you. Um, The easiest way to do it would be to put it on a talking books cartridge. Yeah, I have some of those. Okay. Yeah. So we could put, we could put that on um, a talking books cartridge and, and get it to you. They also, he and his co-author do have a copy of it, but I don't know that they're, you know, set up to distribute that. Um, yeah. I think, it, I think you're right. It was on angels wings. We also have another book we just read. He is a, um, can't, he's a veteran. He lives in Manhattan, Kansas. His name is Robert Morin, M-O-R-I-N. Um, oh, and his book title is hilarious. So let me see if I can remember it. Do you have, do you also have the book by Bob Davis? Uh, you know, he was the man that did the KU broadcast for years. I um, don't believe we have his, I don't think we have his anymore, but I can, I can check about that. We don't save a lot of the books um, because we just don't have, you know, storage for it or an easy way to distribute them. So the other book that I was, the, the guy from Manhattan, my lost moonshine experiments with black powder and how the woman fell down the shitter stories from the life and times of Robert E. Morin. So we recently recorded that for Mr. Morin and we do have that um, 
available. I also have given the files to Talking Books, and they're since it's a local author, they're talking about how they can distribute it. They can't do it through NLS, but they might be able to do it, you know, statewide and and regionally. Um, what, I will, what about what about the what about uh, Wes Brummer's new book? Um, I I can't remember the name of Bullock it. Sunflower. He's going to be Sunflower. He's going to be on Saturday afternoon at, well, God knows what time for sure, but he's supposed to be on at three thirty Saturday afternoon. Okay. And I don't... also, and also, did you do you have the book? I gave it to somebody uh, uh, here in the building, and I guess I could get it back. But it's a book about Patrick Mahomes. It's it's from when he got drafted to the when he got the most valuable player in Super Bowl. Do you have that book by chance? I don't think we have that one. When um, we haven't recorded, we stopped recording books when we shut down in March of 2020, and oh. so we're just now back recording. So a lot of the books that are newer. Um, either haven't been done or have just been started. A lot of what people did was whatever they were doing when we shut down, they finished those up. So they'd be a little bit older books, but I will check on all of those. Well, how, um, do we get, how do we get the one that you mentioned to the title to the, the uh, Robert Morin book or whatever his name was? That one that you read the title to, how do we get yeah, that one? Um, go ahead and email me and let me know you want it. And I can just send you the, we've, I can set you the audio files through a Dropbox link or put it on a, a talking books cartridge. Okay. Um, do you this, want me to do you want me to send you a talking book cartridge? I've got two here. That would probably be faster. We had some, um, okay. but I'm not sure exactly so where can, they are. You, you can you can erase the stuff that's on them. Okay. Uh, what what about a uh, oh those yeah. sticks? What's the yeah. memory sticks or whatever? I could put it on either. Um, it, it's just, okay, it's an I'll, MP3 file. So I could put it on either one. I We usually do these kind of requests on the talking book cartridge because people have the player. And that way, if you don't, yeah. you know, know how to use the flash drive okay. or thumb drive. Um, so either, either we can use either one um, to send All you right. the stuff I'll or get, we can do I'll a Dropbox link. I'll call you and get your okay. email. Michael, you might want to put those numbers for the audio reader reading service in the uh, it's KABV ID. Already wrote it down. It's in the email okay. list. When, All when right. We, when we I said do have When we I said have, Oops. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. I do have a couple of other questions. Sorry while she's here. Um and uh, the, the first one is uh, one that will help me out as uh, the local uh, office manager, I guess, for KABVI. One of our new members whom I'm working with in a number of capacities uh, is a very enthusiastic audio reader user, but uh, he brought me his audio reader receiver the other day and said, well, the antenna broke and I'm confused about how to send this back to them. So I've got it sitting in my office and I said, I'll take care of doing that. My only question is, uh, uh, you all are still covered under the franking privilege, are you not? Where I just slap a, a free matter for the blind sticker on that and uh, Correct. state what it is and send it right out to you. Yep. But we do not, we no longer have a P.O. box. 
So you would send it to our street address, which is 1120 West 11th. Okay. <laughs> I know we had an application issue with that. Yeah. Right. I sure did. So you didn't tell me what it is. Could you? It's, a, it's 11, 1120 West 11th Street, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. And I think I'm the one who told you that you still had the PO box a couple of places yes. on your website. Yep. 1120 West 11th? West 11th, yep. I'm sure I've got that at the office, but there we go. My other question uh, is from several years ago, but we, even though they're kind of quiet these days, we do still have members in Wichita. And I know that there was a merger between Audio Reader and WRRS a number of years ago. And I really don't know anything about the details of that or how the Wichita people uh, receive their services or if their receivers just automatically started receiving audio reader signal or what happened there? Yeah. What happened there is when they decided to stop having their own radio reading service, they just switched the signal from, they put audio reader on the subcarrier of KMUW. So anybody that had a radio tuned subcarrier radio tuned to KMD, KMUW, I just automatically got audio readers signals. So um, I have been getting radios back because they do say on them return if no longer using or people will look. And anyway, I'm getting radios back from Wichita area that I don't have in my database because they actually were belong to the Wichita radio reading service. But they are coming. Some of them are coming back to me, um, which is great because we can then refurbish them and use them. So we still want them back. But yes, that's what happened. We just took over that. Um, we read the Wichita Eagle Monday through Friday at one o'clock. And then that also is available on telephone reader. But we don't have um, much more Wichita specific programming um, lately anyway. Um, the Wichita Eagle for an hour a day is about it. Although, you know, our books in USA Today and Wall Street Journal, those are of interest to, to anybody. But um, yes, yeah, so, you know, I would like a better presence down there. Um, the same kind of thing, have a program that deals with local happenings or um, local issues, but that's just a, a organizational a planning and a finding somebody to run it down there. So they don't have a studio, but KMUW is very supportive of Audio Reader and providing the service. They are great um, about letting me know. Some of our other partners, they go off the air or they're fine, but the subcarrier goes off. They don't check. They don't let me know. And um, the, the engineer at KMUW is great. He will email me before I know we're off to say, you're off today. This is what happened. We're working on it. So it's a, it's a good partnership with KMUW, even though we're not physically there. We are still offering audio description of live theater, um, but it has kind of become on demand. So if you are planning on going to the theater and know you want description, reach out to the theater and to Audio Reader both, and we can work on it. Um, there's not a lot of theaters doing a lot of stuff, but we do have volunteers that are still trained to do that. So um, that is a, a possibility if you are looking for theater description. That's a wonderful service, and uh, it's live, the same type of service that you heard demonstrated by uh, the video with... Uh, Joel Schneider doing the audio description on it that we had on earlier and that I talked about audio description uh, with regard to. And uh, before somebody asked, yes, we do put every article about uh, live audio description that Lori sends us in the KABVI News. 
Maybe I should send you one about how to um, encourage theaters to adopt audio description. You we said that we will run it. Our Topeka Civic Theater has been most unwilling to do that. Although they might be more willing now that they've moved into the other facility that they're in now, but I, I think that would be a good idea. Even if you just send it to us so we can right. use it as a talking point for them and, you know, move to other theaters. It, it, would be helpful. It's been really tough. Uh, I know Mind's Eye in the St. Louis area, they have a really robust description program. They describe hockey. They describe the baseball games. They also do theater and dance and all kinds of things. But they have a dedicated staff person that is, that's her job, is to go around and get these opportunities going. Audio Reader doesn't have a person to do that. Um, plus, they're in a metro area. It's much easier to get, you know, 10 theaters to jump on the bandwagon right. in St. Louis right. than it is in Lawrence or Topeka. Um, but they also, for a while, they were funding it. They were getting, they were purchasing tickets and then bringing together listeners so that the theater would have a demand because that's our issue. The theater is like, well, why would we do that? Nobody's going to come. Why do we offer it's the chicken and the egg? Well, nobody, no blind people come to the theater. I'm like, yeah, because you don't have audio description. Well, I'm not going to offer audio description unless because nobody will come unless somebody's coming. So it's that's you know that's really where we're struggling. Um, I'm with it, and it is such a a small even start. We have a good partnership with Starlight Theater in Kansas City, but even their season, it's like three people per show, you know, and they just they're willing to do it as a partnership thing. But when the theater looks at, not that they have to do that much, they have to give us a spot, and you know publicize it's happening but they're just like for two people and eh, i don't know so that, yeah, it's a, was, it's a struggle that was our issue it wasn't that we didn't want to go it's that the seating was in a place that we didn't think we could get to easily mm -hmm. there's and that so too we didn't yeah. go to the trouble and expense of hiring a driver and you know right. all the rest of it right and transportation is the other thing i know um, for a while, Starlight was doing on Sunday night was the night that they had their deaf interpreter and that's when they offered audio description and then they had extra wheelchair seating. They were, it was like their Sunday night was their disabled, disabled patrons night or something. Right. Right. But the buses in Kansas City stopped running at like seven o'clock. So, so people could get to Starlight, but they couldn't get home. Yeah. So they switched the, the audio description for visually impaired people to Saturday night because the buses were still available. I think they still do this, the sign language on Sundays, but the, the transportation was a huge issue too, because people could get there, but they couldn't get home. Thank you, Lori. This is always informative though. Um, and I have to be honest, if I could, if I could uh, carry audio reader around with me or, um, if I had about two more sets of outlets up in my office or somehow uh, I would listen to it more than I do. And I don't have a good excuse for not listening. And I think that's where the app would help. You know, we are on, we are on Ciro and I know several people that when they're, when they're mobile um, that they will use the Ciro app to listen, but yes, yeah. our own app would be great because you could put it on your phone and then, right. you know, then, then we're with you all the time. There is um I believe I, I I played around with it a little bit. I believe you can also get Alexa, an app for your phone, um, and so you yeah, could actually is. listen to us that way. But mm -hmm. that's 
I don't know how. Yeah, Michael, I knew it was going to do that when I said her name. Um, I haven't really tried around. I haven't worked around with that to see how difficult it is to when you put that in to get her to activate. But that would be two ways to be portable um, is to to put us through the Ciro app or to use the skill through your through your phone. I don't know Ciro. Can you spell that for me? S E R O. It's part of the Ciro Talk company website. Um, it used to be called iBlink Radio, and they changed it to Ciro because it's owned by Ciro Talk. Um, and it's it. I was on a call yesterday, no Tuesday, where we were talking about it, and it is a very full app. So it's got podcasts about technology, and it's got podcasts about I don't all kinds of things. It's sort of like ACB Radio, but it's in a it's an app to or only um so you have to navigate down to radio reading services and then it's got probably 20 radio reading services on there so you okay. have to go to radio reading service and then you have to find audio reader okay. um so i i asked one of the attendees who happens to be blind on this call i said isn't it complicated to navigate and she said at first it is but once you figure out where it is it's not that big of a deal she goes i know i need to go like three pages over and down two and there it is so it's a little, it's kind of a pain, but once you get used to where it is, um, she said it wasn't too bad to find. And it's, we've always, you know, been on it. There's also other audio information services on there. So you don't have to listen to us. You could listen to Kentucky or right. Los Angeles or Texas or, you know, get the whole around the world um, feel. That's very informative. I always thought, I always thought Ciro was some guy that Siri was dating. <laughs> so I think we're going to uh, thank our presenters and I think we gave away all the door prizes we had for this afternoon. Yes, we did. Okay, good. All righty. Um, with that said, I will bid you all a good evening and thank you so much, Lori. And if you can join us on Saturday afternoon, you can talk to Wes Brimmer about his new book. Yeah, I also was curious about the pedestrian um, presentation you have because we lost one of our Lions Club members a couple of years ago, um, Tamara Carney. She was uh, on our board of directors. That's what I thought. Yeah, we really miss her a lot. Um, it's, a so really good, it's a really interesting presentation. And the, tell, tell her about uh, Gene, Michael, the presenter i don't know anything about him but you Gene Berkwin is a certified orientation and mobility uh specialist he also is has a doctorate of divinity uh he has been a reverend who has uh through most of his adult life concentrated his uh, uh good works on working with people who are blind but for the last i don't know how many years he has been the uh, lead orientation and mobility specialist working with the Helen Keller National Center. Ah, He's also okay. probably the most expert uh, gentleman in the country concerning working with uh, people who are both hearing impaired and uh, visually impaired in terms of orientation and mobility. And he and another orientation and mobility specialist whom I have worked with very closely and uh, really enjoy her research, a gal named Donna Sauerberger uh, out of uh, uh, rural, uh, out of Minnesota, uh, have teamed up on a lot of really wonderful research 
about things that pedestrians who are blind can do to improve their percentage of chances uh, when they're moving around the built environment and stuff like that. And it is a very, very uh, exciting presentation. Gene is extremely good. I've heard him do this presentation uh, in person a couple of times, and I've heard it now a couple of times uh, on the internet. And each time he does it, it's a little different, and I always learn something new. Where is he from? Is he is he in Kansas? Well, no, he is uh, with still with the Helen Keller National Center, uh, at least part time, and I believe he is based in or near Sands Point, New York. Okay. Because I was thinking that the, that presentation would be very beneficial for uh, to be made at one at a Lions convention or at several Lions conventions from the standpoint of that is that is the Lions the Lions International focus, but to bring the awareness from the other end. Hey, you know you are a you are a driver. Pay attention to these pedestrians. Actually, um, actually, this is an ACB link from one of their. He presented at the convention last summer. And I can send you the link to it. It's a, on there. It's a podcast that you can. Okay. Yeah, that would be that would be great because I can at least I think it would be interesting to my local Lions Club members because again our direct tie to to Tammy and then Tina Jenkins also right. um, in in Eudora. You know we right. it, it hit, we we know people who have been affected by this. So I think the right. yeah the podcast would probably be very interesting to a lot of our members. Well, in terms of a national speaker, if you're not able to get Gene and he travels nationally quite a bit so uh i think he was in some foreign oh, area when he actually did this uh presentation but his uh partner in crime donna sauerberger is also a semi-retired uh, certified orientational and, and mobility specialist out of uh maryland and uh she uh, she basically can do the same kind of presentations gene can do she's just as good of a public speaker and uh, she has a website at sourburger.com. Okay. I will check both of those. I'm not on any committee for Lions anything, but because um, by, by, by design, <laughs> but I can definitely pass the information on to the people that are making those decisions because I really think that that's just a, it's a topic everybody needs to pay attention to. Right. Um and to know, you know, to be aware that it that it can happen. So I think that would well, be a good Donna, Her Donna is spelled D-O-N-A with just one N. Okay. Sauerberger is, I believe, S-A-U-R-B-U-R-G-E-R, pretty traditional. Uh, and she is probably the largest presence in the country on orientation and mobility uh, sites and so on. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, having uh, said that, we want to thank our presenters and our sponsors and the door prize contributors. We begin again tomorrow at 9 a.m. And our first presenter at 9.15 a.m. is Michael McCary from Assistive Technology for Kansas. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. You're welcome. Cecily. And we will be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. <laughs>